Good morning. Welcome to another installment of the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. With me, as always, is my co-host, Zach Goodman. Zach, how are you this morning? Not too bad, Paul. Not too bad. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, man. Doing pretty well. Um, great baseball game last night. Really enjoyed that. Uh, made some good money at the restaurant. Actually got a decent night's sleep last night. Nice, nice. Six hours? Six, six hours. hours. <laughs> so, hey, hey. On a Friday leading into a Saturday I, I show, agree. six hours is a, is a, basically that's, that's a full bad. night's that's sleep. That's not bad it's at not, all. Not bad at all. So the bat around, if you didn't tune in last week, is pretty much playoff-centric um, while the playoffs are going on. There's not much Orioles news because... They, well, it's the offseason. So, right, yeah. right. But... The offseason, there's always something going on with the team. However, that usually doesn't start until the week after the World Series. And that's that's intentional. Baseball pretty much asks their teams, hey, don't really do anything. Don't make too much noise because we want sure. the attention sure. on the playoffs. And rightfully so. I get that. I get that. Right. So not much going on. Some things did happen with the Orioles. All of the following news I'm going to share with you is courtesy of Rock Kabatko uh, at MassInSports.com on his blog, School of Rock. So I want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Orioles lo- lost Zach Birdie after he was claimed by the Diamondbacks on waivers. Travis Lakins, who was removed from the 40-man roster when he was placed on the 60-day IL, cleared waivers and he was outrighted to Norfolk. The Orioles now have 39 players on their 40-man roster and they still need room to make room for guys returning from injury, guys like Keegan Aiken, Hunter Harvey, Jorge Lopez, Jorge Mateo, and DJ Stewart, plus Rule 5 eligible prospects D.L. Hall, Kyle Bradish, Kevin Smith, Blaine Knight, Cody Sedlock, Taryn Vavra, Adam Hall, Mm -hmm. and Robert Newstrom. So basically, they need to make room for 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 guys. Yeah. so they need to find 12 spaces because right now they're, thir- they're at 39 on a roster of 40. Um, and all of these guys are guys they want to keep. Well, it's interesting because you look up and down at you know the 40-man roster and you say, well, the Orioles won you know 52 games this year. There can't be that many good players that you want to keep, and it shouldn't be too hard to add these 13 guys because it's only 13, and the Orioles don't have really that many good players on this team that you need to keep on the 40-man roster. But then you start looking up and down at it, and you're like, hmm, I don't know if I get rid of him. I don't know if I get rid of him. It's like, it gets tough, and the Orioles are going to have to make some really tough decisions. And I think there will be a lot of guys that go unprotected that we'll be surprised about. I almost guarantee a guy like Adam Hall is not going to be protected. There's just not reason to protect a guy like that when you need players on the Major League roster going into 2022. I think that Adam Hall and Cody Sedlock are the two guys that you can probably expect. If they don't protect guys, it will probably be I agree. those two. Cody Sedlock's been left unprotected in the past. Yeah. Um, so it could it would not be surprised at all. Adam Hall, who I've likened to Brian Roberts, mm-hmm. um, did not have a good year. No, this year uh, he he finished strong, but he did not have a good year. Uh, I can and there's other guys who have moved past him. Guys like Taron Vavra, sure, uh, who has a great hit tool. Who you're going to want to protect? Yep. In the Rule Five, so it's going to remain to be seen, um, which is the motto of this show these days. Uh, I do sniff an Orioles banter in the future, mm-hmm. where we're probably going to take a look 
after the postseason, we're going to take a look at the 40-man roster right. and try and figure out who's going to be left, who's going to be left unprotected, right. who's going to be removed. I can tell you right now that they're already down to 38 because Pedro Severino ain't coming back. No, no, right? and I doubt Pat Valleca is. And, yeah, and, and Pat Valleca probably de- yeah. there's no probably about it. So really, yeah. you're down to 37. So you right. got you got to find 10 more spots. Right. Um. So we're gonna see, will we're gonna see. Uh, how that goes, and again, that's probably going to be our very first Orioles yeah. banter topic once the World Series ends. Talking about who's going to be removed from this forty-man roster to make room. Because- so, Sedlock, he wouldn't be a shocking Rule Five pick because he's a guy who's had a lot of experience at the upper levels, Double A, Triple A. He wouldn't shock me if someone to uh, someone were to take him. There, there's guys like that every year that are, that are taken because. He's a former first-round pick. Um, he's a guy who never really realized his talent with the Orioles, and now he's you know just kind of uh, there. I'm not even sure you really call him a prospect at this point. And he could be taken. Adam Hall, he hasn't really played above high A, and he didn't play well in high A. So I highly right. doubt anyone's going to put him at shortstop for the team. And and Or second base. I, I, yeah, I, I, sure, I look sure. at Adam Hall as more of a second base True. Than, than a shortstop. And, yeah, Adam Hall, if he is left unprotected, which I think is a very likely scenario, Yes. Probably not getting picked up. No. And if he is picked up, probably not going to stay with that no. team very long. Cody Sedlock, that's a guy who could be a solid major league reliever. I agree. And a team will take a chance on him. Yeah. If you leave him unprotected, chances are he's getting picked. A former first-round pick, probably right. getting picked up. Look, even even Gray Fenter was picked last year. He didn't stick, obviously, but yeah. a, a guy like Gray Fenter is not all that dissimilar from a guy like Cody Sedlock. I think Gray Fenter's a lot better, but uh, Gray Fenter hadn't really even played at the high levels like Cody Sedlock has, and I, I think that's what teams are looking for. They're, they're looking for a guy that can stash in the back of their bullpen and you know maybe be the guy he was when he was a, a first-round pick. That's what they're looking for. Yeah, and you also have to factor into this that they're going to need even more spots sure. on that 40-man because they got to add guys like Grayson Rodriguez and, and Adley Rutschman yeah. and, and Kyle Stowers at some point next year. Now, the roster's fluid, right? And you're going to have guys who probably shouldn't be on the 40-man roster mm. that will be there to start the year sure. that won't be there after very long. So, again, roster's very fluid. The active roster is incredibly fluid. Anybody yeah. on that 40-man can come up at any time. So... We'll see how that goes, and we'll get we'll get into that with a much deeper dive once the postseason ends. Speaking of the postseason, Red Sox, what? They eliminate the hundred win Rays. They lost yeah. the first game five to nothing, and you're thinking, okay, okay, this team finished in last place last year. This is a nice story for them that they made it back to the playoffs. They won a wild card game against a bitter rival. Congrats, Yankees. congratulations! <laughs> now you're running into that buzzsaw yeah. that is Tampa Bay, and sure enough, they lose the first game five to nothing. And you're like, here we go. Yeah. Then game two, and Chris Sale, your yeah. best starter, gives up. Five runs in the first inning. Here we go. This is going to be over quick. Yeah. Nope. They come back and, and put they, up 14. Five <laughs> yeah. home runs in that game. They win that game 14-6 to six going away. Yeah. They win the next two games 6-4 to four and 6-5. to five. Very competitive games. Very competitive series despite the fact that it only went four games. The Rays basically went with bull, bullpen games mm-hmm. all series. And I'm, I'm sorry, I hate that approach. I hate bullpen games in general. I, I whether hate it's bullpen games. It's yeah. It's I get it, man. The the, the Rays don't want to pay their players. Okay, yeah, they that, don't. That, they, they, simply, they simply don't. They don't want to pay their players. They don't want to give. They don't want to move the team from St. Pete to Tampa Bay and build a new stadium and give that that team th- those fans a legitimate place to go where they don't have to drive 
35 minutes over a, a nightmarish bridge to get to that stadium. They don't want to put the stadium in their fans' backyards. And now they're talking about playing half their games in Montreal again and half their games in Tampa Bay. When I say again, they're talking about it again. I don't know how that's going to work. Well, there was the quote this week from the Tampa Bay president, uh, Brian Ald, I believe is how you say his name. He said, we've concluded that it is next to impossible that full-season baseball can succeed in Tampa Bay today. That was the quote he put out this week. Yeah, because you won't give your fans a new but, stadium. Right. Like You're playing Tropicana Field. Have you seen Tropicana Field? It's not You even can hit the ceiling with a home run in that stadium. Like This is a problem. Tropicana Field, we're in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Actually in Tampa Bay, not in St. Yeah. Petersburg. You may not get 27000 for a playoff game. Right. Yeah. You're going to get 27000 on average every night. Right. Because it's easier to get to the ballpark actually in Tampa Bay. Right. They don't want to hear it. And they don't want to spend the money on their players. Yeah. And then, I don't, I've never understood why people want baseball back in Montreal. No, it really makes no sense. I don't. It, think, I don't think they were a bottom five in attendance for like a decade, and then uh, yeah, they I, lost their team. And not only that, all of those fans are now converted to Blue Jays fans. Everyone in Canada is a Blue Jays fan, pretty much, except all the Yankee now, fans, now, because there's a lot of them too. Wh- what I will say is that that would change, right? Fa- people would go Maybe. back to being Montreal fans, but would they? But would they be able to get respectable attendance numbers? I'm not sure. But the, and the other thing is, if they're still the Tampa Bay Rays, but playing half their games in Montreal, the Blue Jays fans aren't going to be right. Rays. Fans. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? So you would have to make the full time move to Montreal, right? Which does not make sense to me. No, you lost a team to begin with because you're going to get people to show up, and now you want to take a team that has terrible attendance and bring them into Montreal and say, "Oh, now we can we can fill a ballpark." Yeah, I, I don't know about that approach. This to <laughs> me sounds like a money grab by ownership. It sounds like a lot of things, and that's one of them for sure. Uh, but the other thing is, to me, it sounds like a failure. It just sounds like a failure. Where, where are they going to play? Are they going to build a brand new stadium in Montreal, but then keep the trop as well? I think, no, the the, the, the stadium in Montreal still exists. Well, yeah, it's called Olympic Stadium, correct? Yeah, yeah, not, they, yeah. they play there. But but it's old and horrible. Yeah, Just uh, just like Tropicana I guess, Field. I, I guess you'd have to be renovations, but if you're going to have to renovate a field, then just build a new damn right, stadium it, right, and put exactly. it in Tampa Bay. <laughs> exactly. It's not that hard. It really isn't. Yeah, if people that think that the Orioles are going to relocate. No, look, I, look no further Tampa than Bay. the Tampa Bay Rays in your own division. They, the Orioles, and their 110 losses mm-hmm. and sub 800,000 fans for the first time in 50, 60 years mm-hmm. outdrew the Rays this year. They did. They outdrew the Rays. And the other thing I'm going to tell you right now is that if the Rays move to Montreal and they play, you know, half their home games in Montreal and half their home games in Tampa Bay. How are you ever going to get fans to come to your games either? You have half of your fans in Tampa Bay, and then, oh, well, actually, most of your fans are going to be in Tampa Bay because, again, you just don't know how much of a draw you're going to get in Montreal right off the bat. How Nobody's going to travel to Montreal to watch the Rays. It's not like you're going to be, oh, we're going to go to a Rays game tonight. We'll just drive up from Tampa to Montreal. Like It doesn't work like that. How are you going to draw any sort of fan base, and how are you going to make people watch this team? And I think a lot of Tampa fans are going to leave. They're going to say, I'm done with this team. I don't care. You know, I don't care about a team who wants to... Who, who wants to you know, uh, pick up and leave our city and, and go play in, in Canada, right? Yeah, no, I, I, they're they're alien. The, it was like, oh, we should be like the Tampa Bay Rays. Bruce Cunningham yeah. says the Orioles want to be the Tampa Bay Rays. I sure the I don't, hell hope not. I don't, no. don't want to be like the Tampa Bay Rays. No. I don't want to lose star players every three to four years because I, my, because ownership doesn't want to pay them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have my team not be able to draw. I mean, look, my team already can't draw. 
But that's because they suck. They they will draw. Well, they, 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 will. the Orioles have proven they were yeah. they were in the top half of the league in attendance from 2012 to 2017 mm-hmm. because they were good. Yeah, you get a good team on the field, you put a good product on the field, and yeah. the fans will come out. You build it, they if you rebuild it, they will come. That should be the Orioles' tagline. <laughs> if you yeah. rebuild it, they yeah. will come. I don't want to be Tampa Bay. No part of me. No. The only thing that Tampa Bay does, and it's a big thing, is they win. Right. But, but, they've but been not to, World Series. <laughs> they've been to two World Series yeah. in their history. They've lost both of them mm-hmm. in kind of convincing fashion. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be mistaken. Despite Blake Snell's stellar performance in Game 6 last year, that, that series was never in doubt. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Neither was the series in 08. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you, I don't want the Orioles to be the Tampa Bay Rays. I want them to win like that, but I want them to win... A normal way, where in the playoffs, you're not saying, oh, we're going to have a bullpen game. No, you're going to put your damn horses on the mound Mm -hmm. and let them go give you six to seven innings of solid baseball and use your bullpen the way it's supposed to be used. Yeah, it it worries me a bit because I think the Orioles are on the track to become a team that does things similar to the Rays. I, I, I just see, I, I just, just see I just see it like that. I just don't I, because uh, they proved that they will spend money. They do. They do. And when I, they when they were good. They spent the money. They'll spend more money than Tampa Bay, but also keep in mind half of what Tampa Bay really focuses on is keeping a good farm system. Which I think the Orioles, that's gonna be even when the Orioles are good, I think their main focus is going to be, well, besides winning, keeping a great farm system. And that's what the that's what the uh, the Rays have done. And I think part of that is because they're not giving out these massive seven year three hundred million dollar contracts. I, I think part of it is just because they want to prioritize that pipeline. Well no, but I mean you can though. You can and still give out big sure. contracts. You can like the Astros do it. The Padres do it. You yeah, can, that's fair. That's you, fair. You you can have a big time major league roster mm-hmm. and spend hundred and sixty you don't need to spend hundred and ninety million. You can no. spend hundred and forty to hundred and sixty million on your big league roster, which puts you right in the middle of the pack. And I think that's probably what the Orioles will be around. And, and that's what they that's what they did when they were yeah. winning. You can spend that much money and still have an elite mm-hmm. farm system. You're building up your farm system right now because you know that in five years you're probably picking in the bottom third of the first round. Does this change what the Rays do coming? You know, uh, no, in, in the next coming no, years? No, because they're they're stubborn as an ox. Yeah, I, I agree. I they, don't think they, they're going to change. They will never because it's worked. What needs to happen mm-hmm. is it needs to stop working, right? Because every year you look at what the Rays do in the offseason, you look at that team, and you think. At least I do. I look at the team. And I'm like, how are they possibly going to win? Right. I mean, the, the, like I look at their roster. I'm like, how are they possibly going to get back mm-hmm. there? So I remember saying, and then la- they do. I remember saying last year in our playoff show, I said, I have no idea how this lineup got them to the World Series. I was like, this lineup is is average at best. And, and but they, they had, score a ton they, of runs. They do score a ton of runs somehow because the, the guys aren't even that good. Like you look at up and down this lineup. Just compare the Red Sox lineup. To the to the Rays, it's not even close. Not close. I mean, it's not even remotely well, close. Well, at least right, on, at least right, on paper. Right now, it kind of is because Brandon Lau's a monster. He is. Austin Meadows is a good power hitter. He is. Arosa Reina, Wander Franco, and yeah. then you add in for, Franco's been the big change for and then sure. You add in Nelson Cruz. You've got five thirty homer guys in that lineup right now. When you expect, when you look at what you expect Wander Franco to become, and Randy Arosa Reina as well, uh, it, it's a good lineup. But it didn't start out that way mm-hmm. this year, right? And I just the, the what needs to happen for the Rays to get their act together, like I said, is and I didn't mean to cut you off there. I'm sorry. Uh, but, but what needs to happen is they need to fall flat on their face. Mm-hmm. They need to actually do what it looks like their team is going to do in the off season, where it's, they're going to go out there and they're going to be mediocre. 
and it needs to yeah. it needs to stop working. Otherwise, they're gonna keep operating as if everything's great. Yeah, as if fans don't matter. We put a winning product on the field. Yeah, well, TV TV's through the roof for them. You know, ratings right. is through the roof for them, but they they don't draw because their stadium's in a terrible location and ownership doesn't seem to care. The good news is that the majority of money that major league teams make is through TV deals. So I guess that's good for them. They're making money, but they're not really spending it. <laughs> they don't really spend yeah. it. They're going to go out next year probably with a seventy-five million dollar payroll, like they did this year. Yeah, and we'll see how far they get. I, I, you know, I, I don't mind the approach. I don't hate it as much as you do. I don't think, but I, because I, I see the, I see the point in trying to find as much value in every player as possible. I see that point. It's all the, the money ball approach. It's really what the Rays do. Yeah, no, um, it's, it, I, I get the I, approach. Right. I, I, I have a little more sympathy for what they do than you do, I guess. But I don't. I also don't really agree with it in a way. Well, it's college sports. Yeah, it's college sports. That's fair. Like it's it's my my whole gripe. Like, it works for them. They win, and I can't hate on that. Mm-hmm. Is I'm coming at it from a fan standpoint. You're going to tell me to get excited for Adley Rutschman, and then three, four years from now tell me, oh, we don't want to pay him. We're going to let him go. We're going to bring so You're, you're going to tell me that? You're, right. You're going to tell yeah. me to get, to get excited for Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Stowers, and then you're going to trade them for somebody I don't know and tell me that you're going to make them into the next Grayson Rodriguez or Kyle, Kyle Stowers? Like, that's my issue. The, the constant cycle. As, as a fan, I can't get attached to any players. Mm-hmm. It's a, it is college sports. Yeah. On, the, on a professional level. Everyone's out the door in three or four years. Yeah. yeah. I, I hate that. I hate that. That's what we have college sports for. Mm-hmm. If I'm watching a professional team and I'm buying their merchandise and I'm buying a player's jersey... I want that jersey to last for longer than three years. I, I 100% agree. And I think the Orioles will do things differently than that. I just don't... I, I, I the, one, the point I keep trying to make is that I think the Orioles will very much keep... Uh, I'm trying to put, find the best way to put this. The they, Orioles will refrain, is the best way to say it, from giving out giant, giant contracts. I just don't see it. I, I, but I see, I see them having a lot more than a $75 million payroll. I think that they'll give out the con- uh, one or two. I think okay. that, that a Fair. guy, a guy like Grace Rodriguez or Adley Rutschman, you give that contract to. Maybe in house. I, I see it more, way more. Yeah, no, no. I don't, I don't. I don't expect them to, to, to go out in three years when I don't know Joe Schmo is tearing it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's say that Joe Adele is tearing there it up for go. the Angels. There we go. And when he becomes a free agent, he's going to command an eight-year, two hundred and sixty-four million dollar contract. Right. Right, let's say so. Looking at thirty-three million dollars a year, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not saying the Orioles going to do that. They won't. They're not right. going to. But right. I do think they'll get, they're going to give the money to their guys who are already here. Yeah, I, I do Fair. think that we got to get through this quick because we got to get a st- stand on the line here in a matter of moments. Actually, do me a favor and call Stan now. We don't want to keep him waiting. Um, but yeah, so the Red Sox eliminate the Rays. They go on to take on the Astros last night, who eliminated the White Sox in a battle of. Uh, Old school managers, Dusty Baker and Tony La Russa. And what what it really comes down to, because these are equally talented rosters, what it really comes down to is the Astros have that playoff pedigree. They've been there. They've done that. They know how to win in the playoffs. And the the White Sox, while very good and extremely talented, are they are basically just, they're young. They're young. They're not experienced. And it showed in the playoffs. The the Astros were far and away the better the better team, not because of talent, but because of experience, because of having been there. And we're going to talk about that in Orioles banter. We're going to get it, it, into that a lot deeper. Um, and we're going to talk about maybe why could Rick Renteria really have not done the same thing? 
with this ball club? I have a lot to say on that matter. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. So do I. We're going we're gonna to get into that um, in Orioles banter. Braves eliminate the Brewers in the series, dominate on both sides by starting pitching. It was the series that nobody was talking about um, because you have Dodgers, Giants. We get that. Red Sox, Rays. We get that. Astros, White Sox, Baker versus La Russa, two really talented teams. We get that. Braves and, and Brewers kind of flew under the radar. We're going to talk, talk about how I think the Braves are a really strong matchup. For the, for the Dodgers. But we'll talk about that later. Let's get to Stan the Fan, Charles. Stan, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, guys. I hope you can hear me on speaker. Yeah, we can hear you. It sounds like you're in the I'm, car. Where are you headed? I'm, I'm driving out to Elkton for the Maryland five-star event. Oh, that's uh, right. That's first, right. Yeah, the first ever, and I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that the weather stays as beautiful as it is right now, but they're calling for... Uh, some heavy showers, thunderstorms later in the afternoon. We'll see. But I went out there Thursday. It was really very entertaining. I won't say that I know exactly what I'm watching, but it was entertaining, and uh, I'm excited to go to the first-ever Maryland five-star. Oh, yeah. You you guys have been talking about it for for a while now, and you've been doing a lot of uh, prep and promo for it. We get the banner ads on Facebook Live. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be coming up uh, in... Few hours. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, excited to uh, to see it come to fruition. Happy you're going to be out there and enjoying that, Stan. So uh, ha- you, have a great time, um, Stan. First thing I want to yeah. talk about with you: the Cardinals. They fire their manager Mike Schilt, citing philosophical differences. How much of a shock was this firing, uh, especially when you consider the the run they went on in September to get back to the playoffs? Yeah, you know it's it's funny. I. It wasn't a total shock to me, but more important to Mr. Schilt, uh, apparently it really caught him. He was pretty uh, devastated by the news. Um, you know, when you put together a run like he did, um, it, it's, it's sort of really a cool event while it's going on, but it, it probably underlied some, some issues during the season. Because they weren't a very good club until until that that seventeen game winning streak. Yeah, they they were really underachieving. I remember talking to you before the season, and you thought that the uh, the addition of Nolan Arenado put them over the top. And then they really played very mediocre baseball until the last month and a half of the season. They get hot, catapult themselves into the playoffs, take the Dodgers down to the down to the wire uh, in that wild card game, losing on the walk off home run. And then the next thing you know, they fire their manager. I'd be yeah. pretty devastated, too. if I, I mean, this is a guy who's had four winning seasons there. He's taken them to the playoffs twice. He had a 90-win season. He had a 91-win season in his, in his last two full years. And I'm, I don't want to steal any thunder from Zach, because Zach's going to sound off on that later in the show. I have a lot to say. <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But when they cite philosophical differences... They may want to go in a direction that's more analytically based, and maybe he's a little bit more old school and uh, and was kind of pushing against that a little bit. Do you think there's any merit to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably at the center of what's going on here. You know, that that, that he's just, it's almost, I don't want to compare it totally to, to Gary Kendall's dismissal, but you have an organization in the Orioles that's very analytically driven and they have a sort of an old school guy who, who uh, appreciates the way baseball used to be played and was meant to be played, and uh, and it's sort of it's not the right fit. And I think those guys, 
and the Zaloc and his GM probably feel he's just not the right fit for where we're going. Yeah, and we saw it last year with Rick Renteria firing a manager from a really good team and bringing somebody else in who you think can get you over the top, and maybe that's where the Cardinals feel they are right now and have a window with guys like Arenado, who aren't getting younger, and uh, Paul Goldschmidt, and then the talent that they have, and Dylan Carlson, and Tyler O'Neill, and they're thinking, we need to do this now. So we'll see. We'll see if it's yep. the right move for that franchise. Now, Stan, the Red Sox, they took down the, the heavy AL favorite Rays in four games. The Red Sox were written off by a lot of people before the season. I had them finishing in second in the AL East, but not making the playoffs. Now they're four wins from the World Series. How impressive has this Red Sox uh, run been, and can they can they finish it out and get back to another World Series? Well, uh, you know, they, they didn't get off to a great start last night, and they're, they, they've got sort of uh, an albatross around their neck in, in the, as much as Chris Sale is not the Chris Sale of, uh, of his, hey, you know, of his uh, heydays. Uh, and certainly we know about the Tommy John surgery, and it takes a while to get back, but he's just not exactly the same pitcher right now. And I thought it was kind of interesting. I didn't quite follow what their rotation was, but I found him an odd choice to start the series. But what's kept me from jumping on the Astros bandwagon is their starting pitcher only went two and two-thirds innings as well of Valdez, so uh, I think they've got some of the same issues. They just have a leg up right now uh, in what was a very entertaining baseball game last night. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a fantastic baseball game. Kike Hernandez is maybe the hottest player that's ever lived I right now. I, I, I don't get it. Well, 14 for 28 in the postseason, four home runs, eight RBIs. He has two games this season, this postseason stand, with 11 total bases. This is a very, in my opinion, mediocre player. He's like a poor man's yeah. Ben Zobris. He is. Yet he gets to the playoffs, and he absolutely turns it on. What's the deal with Kike Hernandez? I'm not quite sure. I, I probably wouldn't call him a mediocre player. I think he's a little bit better than, than that designation. But he is playing kind of like Randy Rosarina played last year yeah. right now. So, I mean, it's been something to behold, and they just fell one run short last night. Stan, what do you think is the key difference for the Red Sox this year? What really was the thing that kind of put them over the top? Who is that key person, or what was that key moment that really put the Red Sox in such a good spot uh, going into the playoffs? Well, I think Alex Cora brings an awful lot to the table. Yeah. Uh, I, re I really do. Uh, when you compare them to a, a, a Again, an old-school guy like a Ron Renneke, who's not quite adept at pushing the right buttons. You know, it's one thing to have the analytics. It's another thing that your manager is fully kind of in sync with you and able to, to pull the right, to push the right buttons at, the, at those key critical times. And uh, Cora seems to be that. He commands... A lot of respect. I mean, I watched him walk out to Chris Sale when they took him out of the game, and it was very mm -hmm. unusual to see a guy being taken out of a game who's getting sort of batted around, and yet he's 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 given an incredible pep talk on the mound about how important he is and all that. 
was very interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, Alex Cora is one of those guys. He's one of those managers that his players want to play for. You saw it in 2018 and 2019. You go into 2020, you lose your manager, you lose some of your starting pitching, and the next thing you know, Alex Cora is fired. Um, the, the team just kind of, the, the team just kind of took a step back last year. They get Alex Cora back, and I think that's the main difference. The main difference, and the fact that you got Eduardo Rodriguez back, you got Chris Sale back. That lineup is absolutely phenomenal. I think Kike Hernandez was a huge coup for them. And when I say mediocre player, he's a guy who's going to hit about 250. He's going to get on base. He's going to play good defense. But when you, when you think about a guy who's going to hit about 250, I don't think he's a world beater. But he he certainly has Somehow, been in the playoffs. He had a five war this year, which I have no idea how that's even possible. Well, like he's he a, get, he, he's, he's a, just a great defender, and I think a lot of his value he's, comes He's from a great that. defender, and he's not terrible offensively. It's just you don't think about him amongst the stars of the game. And right. I guess that's what I meant when right. I said... I agree. He got he got overshadowed in Dodger Stadium. There's no question. Yeah, playing five six years with the Dodgers. I mean, I'm sure if you asked Dave Roberts, he would he would have liked to have had him back. But they had to you know pick and choose what they could spend, and they elected not to bring him back. But maybe uh, you know maybe he's just suited better. To Fenway Park, you know. Yeah, well, a lot of hitters are suited better to Fenway Park. It is certainly a hitter's ballpark. That's for that's, sh- that's for sure. Good point. Um, now, talking about the Astros and the White Sox for a second, because the Astros had to beat the White Sox to get to face the Red Sox in the ALCS. Both very talented rosters, Sam. Very comparable rosters. The the um the White Sox are clearly much younger. Then the Astros, you have two veteran old-school managers in Dusty Baker and Tony La Russa. Was the main difference in that series really just the playoff pedigree and experience that the Astros have? I think that's an excellent point, uh, Paul, uh, because when you look at them, the, the White Sox kind of remind me of them. I mean, they don't have sort of the exact personalities yet of an Altuve or Correa. Um, who were who were kind of the two keys to that engine there, along with Alvarez. Uh, but I think the playoff pedigree has an awful lot to do with what they what they accomplished in that series. Yeah, you know, you- that. And I just have to be honest. I, I know it's not the question you're asking right now. I just really, I really don't. Uh, I didn't have good vibes with the Larusa hiring, and uh, you guys brought up a good point earlier in the conversation by saying couldn't Rich Renneria have done the same thing. I, I don't think they got all that they bargained for with uh, Tony La Russa. Stan, did you see La Russa's post-game press conference when they lost, when the White Sox were finally lost the series? No, I didn't. Um, it, I, it, I didn't catch much of him this year. The things coming out of his mouth were bizarre. What He spent a lot of time being kicked off about the, uh, the, the player getting hit. It, it just felt so bad. It was just like, he, he just kind of sat there and just, he, he was like sulking the whole time. And obviously he just lost the playoff in the playoffs. So I, I get it yep. a little bit, but there are a lot of coaches who were like, you know, I'm proud of our guys. I'm proud of what we did. And he didn't really right. do any of that. He just kind of sat there and went, okay, to all the reporters questions and just kind of like one word, two word answers, just furious, just sulking. Like this guy's not a leader. He's, he's a terrible manager. And I really like, you know, he has a great, great at this point in his career, Paul, I'm, I'm just saying that he's a hall of fame manager, right? But at this point in his career, that doesn't make him a good manager. 10 I, years or 11 years. That, after that's my retired. point. 
I, yeah. I think at this point in his career, he's not a good manager anymore. He's not a good leader. He doesn't, I, he doesn't stand agree. up for his guys. I, I think the, the number one thing I witnessed all year, and I again, I always allude to my fantasy baseball team, because I had Hendricks on my team, I got to watch how he used the bullpen. This is a guy that in his heyday kind of invented modern bullpen usage, and I thought his bullpen usage was terrible this year. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. Yeah, how do you have the two best closers in the game in your bullpen, and you and you, you have that starting rotation, you have a bullpen that has Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell, and you don't win. I, I don't right. understand. Like he just doesn't yeah. do a good job at this point. He just doesn't. Yeah. It was it was a bad hire in the first place, and it still looks bad now. When I saw Kimbrel pitching yeah. in the sixth inning the other day, I was like, "What is happening?" I'd said the same thing. I, yeah. What was that? <laughs> anyway, Stan, and we w- and they're kind of they're kind of in a rock between a rock and a hard place with him. I was reading an article about it in the Athletic um, about what what they can do with him. You know, he has a sixteen million dollar option. Mm that they have to pick up. There's talk that they might pick it up and then trade them, but that trade already looks terrible. They gave up uh, Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer to to a guy yeah. that they they didn't really they clearly didn't really need, you know. Or or didn't utilize correctly. Is, yeah. is what it was. Yeah. Giving up yeah. Nick Madrigal, yeah. uh, that dude's a hitter. He does he, not yeah. strike out. That, yeah. uh, I, that's mind-blowing that you get you, you give it up for basically a rental that you're probably going to get rid of. He's like a young Michael Brantley, kind of a similar kind yeah. of player. I don't think, Nick, he, I don't think Nick, quite as good. But. Nick, Nick Madrigal's going to be a hitter yeah. in this league. He doesn't yeah. strike out no. at all. Uh, Stan, we're, we're definitely going to talk here in a second about the Dodgers and the Giants. We don't want to ignore that. But real quick, I want to ask you, Astros yeah. and Red Sox, 2017 and 2018 world champions tainted with scandal. And they're facing off in this ALCS. Is it good or bad for baseball that these two teams are back and fighting each other to get back to the World Series after those scandals? Um, That's a really good question. I wouldn't say that, that it's either good or bad. I mean, it shows that it shows that um, they were both really good teams without the cheating. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's interesting to go back uh, to think, you know, I always kidded around about it. Boy, it's not really that hard to hit when the trash can tells you what's coming. But, you know, Altuve is a remarkable player, you know. Yeah. Uh, Correa is a remarkable player. Uh, and they've got like a threesome, they've got a threesome with Alvarez that's just probably the most dominant I've seen in, in years. Um, and and the surrounding cast is real good, too. You know, I mean, I always thought Michael Brantley was such a beautiful fit for that team. And it happened yeah. just a couple years after the Orioles were real good, but they never had a hitter in their lineup, you know, in, the, in, in their good days from 2012 to 17 that was the like of Michael Brantley. You know, that one guy that was really tough for pitchers to get out, and Brantley uh, has been that guy. And while he's not exactly the player he was three, four years ago, he's still pretty damn good, too. Yeah, no, Brantley's a very good player. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so it's, it's certainly interesting to see. Maybe it's one of those things where people can kind of put it to bed. These scandals. It doesn't mean they didn't happen that you forget about them, but maybe this series helps people just kind of move on and say, well, yeah, these teams cheated, 
but they're also really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stan, I mean, I, again, again, and you guys, you, we talk every Saturday. You know, I was pretty pissed off about Boston getting that number what three number, pick n- number in four the draft, pick. Yeah, we were too. Pick in the draft, I really thought the commissioner abdicated his responsibility. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Stan, a, a question for you on the the cheating scandal from the Astros, from the Red Sox, from really all of them, because there were multiple cheating scandals that were probably happening all around the same time. Even the Yankees yeah. were rumored to be part of it, but specifically for the Astros, because it seems like theirs was the most. I would say advanced and the most effective. How much of a difference do you really think it made? Because now you look at a guy like Carlos Correa, you look at Altuve, all of you know, basically the two guys that got called out for cheating the most just had great years in 2021. So how much do you think the cheating really helped them a few years ago? I think I think it helped. I don't think there's any question that it helped. I think you have uh, while while they've been able to come back now three years later and perform at at high levels. There's no question in the confidence that, I mean, it, look, the Orioles are a, a tough team to uh, sort of use as a marker, but they would so dominate us, you know, our pitchers. And, you know, our pitching staffs were not good in, in like 16, 17, 18. They weren't real good. Uh, and it's clearly they haven't been good since uh, in 19, 20, and 21. But it used to almost look when we play the Astros like they knew what was coming. I mean, there's just an awful lot of confidence. There's an aura of confidence that that, that team had that defied belief almost. Yeah, no, and and the, the crazy thing is, and this is what I was talking about with the, with the playoff pedigree, they still have that confidence. You know, and you, yep. you heard Correa and Altuve say in their post-game interviews last night, this is kind of they basically said with I'm paraphrasing here this is what we do we've been here before we know how to do this this is right. this is why we win um and and I thought it was a good point and and I'm hoping that maybe this will be like people will you never forget the scandal but you kind of just realize these teams were really good even without it and they're proving that right now now get yeah. moving on to the Dodgers and Giants it was a series for the ages Stan there were two shutouts two games decided by by uh one run now, with how good that series was, does this make you want a either a a seven game division series, or b the rule to come back where you can't face a division opponent in the division series? No, I'm not. I'm not a big. I'm certainly not a big proponent of the not facing the division because we, if you had that rule in place, we would have been deprived of what was a terrific series. Yeah. Um, I'm just. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm. Um, I'm having a little trouble wrapping my arms around the, you know, last year's playoffs kind of felt more right that more teams were in it. Um, I I just, I I sort of, when you unveiled, once you got past the one game playoff this year in both leagues, you know, the wild card game, uh, it was, it was like, wait a minute, is this all there is? There's only two more series? Right. You know, uh, but I wouldn't say that I'd be in favor of that. this first series having seven games, but I'd probably be in favor of having one more layer of, of playoffs. Yeah, I for sure think that the wild card round should be a round and not a game. I think it should be a three-game. Yeah. If you're going to do a five-game yes. division series, the wild card round, and I've said this since the wild card game came into existence, 
it should be a three-game series. And I think that baseball, is go- I think that's going to be in the new CBA. I think they're going to move to that. I think they're going to add extra playoff teams, and I think that they're going to have three-game series for the, I, the wild card. I don't really have so much a problem with the fir- that first game being a one-gamer. One I would say I'd probably let more teams into the playoffs, uh, especially today with some of the upper-level teams. Like, you look at a division like the American League East, you know, based on who made it in, none of those teams other than the Orioles should have been out of the playoffs. Right. I mean, Toronto was really terrific. But if you start getting into a longer wild-card round, I think you you run into trouble because you're still going to get some play-in games and things like that. So scheduling-wise, I would, again... Uh, like to see the, I would like to see the use of scheduled double headers shorten the 162 game season and get the playoffs started maybe a week earlier, like you know late September, uh, and and get an extra layer of playoffs. Well, Stan, with that in mind, then would you be okay with them shortening the season back to 154 games? Well, I would be, but I don't see that as something that they're going to do. Yeah, I don't think that's something they're going to do either, but it certainly is an interesting topic for conversation because I think everybody would like to see more teams in the playoffs, a longer uh, first-round playoff series, uh, and the way to do that is to start the playoffs a week earlier. And we'll, yeah. we'll see. All this stuff is def- – if we're talking about it, Stan, you know they're talking about it when they have to uh, get that new CBA ratified. There's no question that the next CBA will include – a lot of money coming from baseball playoffs, added baseball playoffs. There's Absolutely. No Absolutely. Now, Stan, how yep. disappointing was it for that Dodgers Giants series to end the way it did? Now, there's no saying, there's no knowing what happens on the next pitch. Max Scherzer probably strikes the guy out on the next pitch anyway because he's Max Scherzer. But that was not a swing. It was 100% a check swing. It wasn't even remotely close. Did, did yeah, the, pretty, people get screwed? I was pretty- I was pretty stunned when when it ended that with the first base umpire. It just doesn't feel. Look, the first base umpire is there, and that's part of his responsibilities. So I'm not saying he should should put the sort of put the flag in his back pocket. But that you know that was a that was a tough way to end the series. Again, as you said, there's no guarantee that it cost cost them the series, but it cost them the chance. Of uh, you know of of figuring uh, how to score a couple of runs off of Scherzer there. Yeah, and if Flores is a really talented hitter, and there's no question that Flores could have come back in that. Oh yeah, no, and 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 the thing is, going into that bat, Flores in his career against Scherzer was 0 for 17, but the playoffs. Magic happens in the playoffs, and it's it's the the moment setting up the way that game played out, the way that series played out, the perfect ending. And sorry to the Dodgers fans, the perfect ending would have been a walk off by the Giants, and the check swing kind of took that away. Now again, chances are Scherzer gets his guy, but it, to me, Stan, do you think that the umpire, the first pace umpire, got himself caught up in the moment and made a knee jerk reaction rather than actually seeing them? Because if you see that swing, there's no way you can think he went. Yeah, well, again, as Curtis Granderson said on the post-game show, it's always easy on the you know sitting on your easy chair watching yeah. the replays, going, "That's not a swing." He saw something that, that that prompted him to say, "Yes, that's a strike," 
and uh, that's the way baseball is played right now. So uh, I, I would say he probably got caught up in the moment a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah, I for sure. It, watch- it's, un- it's unfortunate. I thought Gabe Kapler hit the right note in his post-game interview, which I did watch that. I thought he uh, made it clear it was it made the disappointment of the loss a little bit well before we let you go Stan um, the other series that nobody talked about the afterthought of the postseason Brewers Braves Braves win it three games to one pitching was phenomenal they shut out the Brewers twice the Brewers scored six runs in the entire series the Braves had to have despite not having Ronald Acuna Jr. are you there Stan? Did we lose you? All right. We lost Stan. Uh, what I was going to ask Stan was if he thinks that the Braves roster is talented enough to take on the Dodgers and beat them. This is yeah. a team that, that took a 3-1 to series lead on the Dodgers in the NLCS last year before losing the final three games of that series. I think it's an interesting matchup. And again, we're going to get into that in Orioles banter. Uh, real quick, and um, will you do me a favor? Will you, will you text Stan? Yes. Um, and just be like, hey, we got to move on anyway. We'll talk to you next week. Just let him know. Um, real quick, getting to the whole the whole thing with uh, Tony La Russa, when Zach sat there and he said, he's a terrible manager, and I kind of gave Zach the, the no, but my, my, my let's whole... calm down with that. It's hard to say. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. It, it is hard to say a Hall of Fame manager is a terrible manager. But currently. But no, I'm getting to it. I, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I get what you're saying because the guy yeah. hadn't managed in 11 seasons. He hadn't been around since 2011. The game has changed so much just in the last five years, let alone the last 11. Um, and he's probably not. There's no. I don't think there's a probably about it. He's not the type of manager that pushes a team like that forward, given how baseball runs now, analytically driven. Tony La Russa. He can say and do all the right things in his interviews, mm-hmm. um, and he and doesn't, say, <laughs> <laughs> right? But he can tell he can tell ownership and he can tell the media. I'm going to let these guys go out there and play. They're talented enough, yeah. but he doesn't have that that analytical ba- background. It's yeah. not saying he can't he can't get that, but let's be realistic here. He's 76 years old. Yeah, I'm 37. I'm already getting set in my ways. Okay. You're not going to tell me that a guy like Tony La Russa, who gets pulled over and says, "Do you know who I am? I'm a Hall of Famer." You're not going to tell yeah. me. Uh, you're not going to tell me a guy like that is suddenly opening to change, open to changing his mindset when it comes right. to managing a baseball team. You're not going to. You right. can't convince me of that. So you're right. I'm not trying to take away anything he did in the past. I mean, right. he, he's a great manager in the past. Now, to me. He's not good. He's bottom of the pack. Um, you know, analytics are such a big part of the game, and leadership is such a big part of a manager's job. And I don't think he does either of those things well at this point. I, Again, his, his post uh, post game interview was just like sulking and just upset. And I'm like, this is not what good leaders do. They they say, I love the effort the guys gave. They don't just sit there and kind of you know give a one word answer to reporters' questions. Yeah, yeah. And what was the player's name? It's escaping me right now. He played for the Orioles in their minor league system. He was the rookie of the year favorite the first month of the season. He was tearing the cover off the ball. And then on a 3-0 pitch from a position player pitcher, he hits a home run 
and La Russa just absolutely crucified him for it. <laughs> Sounds about right. Who? Uh, what year was this? Th- this year. Oh, this was this year. This year, and the guy, and the guy he went to the AAA team, and then he posted on Instagram. And he oh, was retiring. Uh, you're me Mercedes. You're me Mercedes. I think the writing was put on the wall with the way he handled your me Mercedes. The way he handled that situation. Agreed. The I think the writing was on the wall. I think that the the White Sox would be best suited to find somebody else. Agreed. And, and I think they're going to realize that. Probably not this offseason. I think they already said he's coming back next year. I don't see him making it to year three. I agree. The, I Yeah. Uh, you and I, one of us, could go manage the White Sox yeah. and get them into the playoffs. Right. They're so damn good. Right. All I have to do is say, starters, go out throw me seven innings. Right. Kimbrell, throw me an eighth inning. Hendricks, throw me the ninth inning. Line up. Do what you do. Right. That's all you yeah. have to do. Right. And that team's going to win 95 freaking games because they're right. so damn talented. But to get them through a playoff series and to get them over the top, you need to be a leader. That's yeah. the big thing. Yeah, we, we, we can talk about this more in Orioles banter. We got to hit a break. Uh, I didn't realize it was 1049s, and, and we have to call Leo Mazzoni. Um, real quick, Stan the Fan Charles has two great shows for you every week, and like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross chatted with Orioles legend Ken Singleton, while Stan also caught up with Olympian Buck Davidson to discuss the Maryland Five Star, which is happening this weekend, literally today. Stan's at, going there right now. He's on his way there right now at Fair Hill in Cecil County. Find it under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com. Coming up this Monday, you won't want to miss it when Stan and Ross chat with former Orioles executive uh, Dan Duquette. The show is live at 6 p.m. We got to hit a break when we come back. Former Orioles and Braves pitching coach, I should probably say that the other way around, former Braves and Orioles pitching coach, Leo Mazzoni. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, it's KZ. The Pressbox Fantasy Football Show is back, as always, on Thursdays. You can catch it at 1130. We're brought to you this year, CCBC and Glory Days Grill. You can catch the show two ways, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash radio. The slash radio is if you want to listen. On Facebook is if you actually want to see my ugly face. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. DFS, daily lineups, keepers, all kinds of fun stuff. Please tune in, Pressbox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday, 11.30 a.m. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition-free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443 443- 840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. 
Glory Days Grill's popular Oktoberfest menu is back, and it features their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, hand-breaded in herb panko, and pan-fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites, like the Oktoberfest Brewer's Platter, Brewer's Sausage Sandwich, Prussian Pretzel Roll, Slam Dunk Pretzels, and Apple Cobbler. All of these meals pair well with their many Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine on their patios or in their dining room, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years. Thank you, fans. If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you. Guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. Coach Mark Turgeon. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, and archived anytime. Watch facebook.com slash pressbox sports and listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. With me, as always, is my immeasurably talented uh, co-host, Zach Goodman. A co-host and producer, uh, Zach Goodman. On the line with us now, former Braves and Orioles pitching coach, Leo Mazzoni, who's going to talk with us about the Braves. Leo, good morning to you. How are you today? Ah, doing good, doing good. What a great time of the year. Playoffs, college football, the NFL, just doesn't get no better than this, guys. Oh, my gosh. So so I picked up a shift at work uh, last week. It was on a Thursday, and there were three playoff games and Thursday night football. And I turned to one of my coworkers, and I said, why the hell did I pick up this shift? <laughs> like, it's, it's literally the best time of the year. I could not yeah. believe that I picked up that shift with all the sports going on. I would have mm-hmm. been in hog heaven and said I'm standing there in a restaurant. That's right. That's right. Well. <laughs> Uh, Leo, now the Braves were 54 and 55 on the morning of August 5th. Mm-hmm. Starting that night, the team went 34 and 18 to end the season and take the NL East crown for the fourth straight season. No Ron Lacuna when they did this. How did they get there? Well, num- number one, they named some personnel changes. They acquired three very good players, and then their starting pitching started to take off, and. Uh, uh, they 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 got on a roll and they they've they had a nine game winning streak on the road. Uh, they uh, had to make two West Coast trips back to back and down the stretch. And uh, but you know what? Here's what you got to look at with the Braves guys. You know they have the, they have three starting pitchers that are pretty good. Their infield is one of the best in the history of the Atlanta Braves. And I'm not talking about just offense. I'm talking about offense and defense. You get, you check the numbers as everybody does now on, on, uh, on, on first base, second base, third base and short. And you get, you check the, all the numbers offensively and defensively. You got one of the greatest infields in the history of the Atlanta Braves. Oh yeah. The, the, their, their team is immensely talented. I look at, I look at Austin Riley and I don't think anybody saw 
the year that he put up. Now, look, the power's always been there. The batting average hasn't. He hit, right. I saw him, and, and I said, he, Austin Riley hit 303 this year? The guy was a 230 hitter coming into this year, and he hits 303 out of left field, over 30 homers, over 100 RBIs. They have three <laughs> different guys that hit 30 homers and drove in 100 on this roster. Now, Adam Duvall did a lot of that with the Marlins. But, man, even without Acuna, and that's before we even talk about Freddie Freeman, even without Acuna, this this roster is extremely talented, Leo. Yeah, it's extremely talented, and you know, but you hate to see that. I don't, I don't think Solar is going to be available uh, because of uh, COVID restrictions. I think at least for the for the NLCS, uh, so that's not going to help any. But um, you know, down down the stretch, uh, Charlie Morton's been very good, Max Freed and Ian Anderson, and uh, the bullpen can give you some frustrating times at times. But overall, they've been outstanding. So you know, we'll go from there and see what happens. Um, but uh, it'll be fun to watch. And it's crazy, man, because when you look at that at that roster, the Braves and Brewers division series was, and I hate to say it, but it's true, it was the afterthought of the postseason. I mean, you have the low payroll Rays taking on the endlessly fun the AL East rival Red Sox. You have uh, Dusty Baker versus Tony La Russa, the Giants and the Dodgers in the battle of the NL West with the two best records in baseball. And then, oh, right. by the way, you have the Braves and the Brewers. But the Braves go out there, and the pitching was phenomenal. They give up six runs the entire series to the Brewers. And honestly, if you have three good starting pitchers, you can win any series that you're in. And, and no. like and, and like you said, they have Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, Max Freed. And then you also have Drew Smiley in, in that bullpen, who's no slouch himself. They're going against the Dodgers in this NLCS. How, much, how strong of a matchup are they? I think that they have a good shot here. Well, I, I, I think it's I'm sure you have a good shot. You know, I've been involved in so many of these games that, uh, you know, it's, it's a crapshoot. And, 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 you know, you can, and we always used, always used to say you're only as good as tonight's starting pitcher. So that sets the tone for the ball game if you leave them in long enough. Anyway, that's yeah. a whole different story yeah. for me. Anyway. <laughs> I think we're on the same page there. I went yeah, a little yeah, yeah. earlier I mean, uh, in the show. Yeah, right. But anyway. You know, you look and you say, "Well, the Dodgers got the big, the starting pitch, and they're the, you know, the." Uh, I'm sure the Braves are the underdog, you know. But we were underdogs years ago and won, and we were favorites years ago and didn't win. So, you know, it comes down to starting pitching. Which the Dodgers are, their starting pitch and their bullpen is out, outstanding. And uh, but you know, the Braves have, have pretty much have the same thing. And you know, if the Braves can exploit weaknesses, which they certainly did against Milwaukee. They found out that Milwaukee's hitters weren't even close to hitting a breaking ball, and they they fed them a ton of them, and uh, and shut them down. So if they can read what the Dodgers like and what they don't like, and but here's the one thing: if you're the Braves, you can't. And I, Bobby Cox used to tell me this all the time: you can't overanalyze, you can't overthink it. In other words, in other words, we based our attack on what our pitchers do best, not who they were facing. Yeah, it's you got to go out there and play your game. You got to go with what got you there, and that and that's why I'm on the same page with you with pulling these pitchers too early. Uh-huh. It's, it seems like managers kind of tend to to get. It, I don't want to say they get a little scared, but I don't know what other word to use because in situations in the regular season, you leave your 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 starting pitcher out there and you you let him do his thing. If he starts getting a little bit of trouble, you trust him to get out of it. In the playoffs, it's a whole different animal. 
the, the guy l- lets a guy on base in the sixth inning and you're pulling him instead of letting him try and work through it. Right. I just I don't understand the approach. Go with what got you where you are. There's a reason it worked, right? Absolutely. But, I, I, I you know, the, the way the game's played now, I mean, uh, why in the world would the Cardinals let go of their manager? Yeah. yeah After a great, you know, what, and you know what they said? Philosophical differences. You know what that means? That means the manager, they've taken the power out of the manager's hands. Yeah. You know, you know it's, it's something that A-Rod said uh, a week or two ago. He said he, was, he didn't go tell us tell what team, but he was doing a game during the season. He went upstairs to visit the front office, and there was 30 guys around a table, 30 analytical guys around the table making up the lineup for that night's game to send down the manager. Yeah, it, it's it's you've seen. I'm sure you've seen the movie Moneyball. It's it, it's yeah. it sounds it sounds like the same exact thing where it's. Well, this going way beyond that. Yeah, it, but but basically saying the the front office saying this is the team that we want to build and this is what we want you to do and the manager being like, well, this right. is what I have to do to win games and not being on the right. same page. That's exactly what it sounds like to me. Now, getting back to the Braves uh, as a whole, it really seems like Freddie Freeman, reigning MVP. Hits the game-winning home run in that in that uh, in that series clinching game against the Brewers. Yeah, also a real good left-hander. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, he's got to be the most underrated player in the game. The, people don't talk about him in the same breath as they do these other big-time players, but he's as steady as they come. Freddie Freeman is is an all-time player, and he's so underrated. Why is that? Well, I think just the, you know a lot of times down in, in Atlanta area or some. You know, you get a little more, you get more publicity in the Northeast. Certainly you would in, uh, New York, Boston, Baltimore, or, you know, you, you, it's just a different place where you, different place where people live. I mean, he, if he was in Chicago or LA, sure. And, um, but no, well, Freddie's getting some kind of publicity. He's a reigning MVP. Yeah. And, uh, you know what he does? He goes about his business quietly. You know, he doesn't, uh, and very professionally. I remember one time, uh, uh, some, uh, noted people told, told me, he said, you know, the Braves are boring. And I said, why is that? He said, well, because they just go out and play, you know, there's nothing crazy going on. There's no controversy. There's none of this, none of that. And, uh, so therefore they, they told us that when we were, uh, winning all those, uh, games in the nineties and the two thousands. And, uh, you know, you kind of hear the same thing now, but I think a lot of that has to do with Brian Snicker, who is, a, I think is a great manager and one of the few managers left that can understand the previous, the, the so-called old school, which I don't believe it is, and then the modern game and combining the two. He does the best job of, of any manager in the big leagues. And, uh, and the other manager I'm rooting for is Dusty Baker. How can you not? Yeah. How, how can you not? Unless you're playing them in the World Series. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, no, no, I, I know. Um but yeah, how, how can you not root for Dusty Baker with on his fifth team? Uh, has been to a World Series, but has never won one. This is certainly uh, the the time for him. Right. Um, assuming he's not playing the Braves in the, in right. the World Series. Now uh, you talk about winning all those games in the '90s and the 2000s. Amazingly, the Braves have only missed the postseason ten times since the start of the '91 season, and in that time span, they've only posted five losing seasons. Five losing seasons in 31 years. How has this franchise sustained success for so long? Well, I think it's sustained it so long because of the uh, tremendous scouting system that they have, and uh, 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 they really do uh, do a great job of that. And then you have a, a chain of command in the front office that uh, you know when you have uh, strong strong people in the front office, and uh, 
they work with the people downstairs. Uh, I think it's a communication thing and they study, they do their homework. So, you know, it's certainly the scouts have a whole heck of a lot to do with it. Well, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's good ownership. I think it's good management, good scouts. I, the, the team is just run in my opinion so well. I think they're one of the model franchises in all of baseball. And look, no question. The, the, this team, what they, they, get to the playoffs in bunches. They, they, they just seem to go year after year after year. They'll have a year or two off, then they'll go year after year after year. That's what they do. They're back on another run of postseason berths. We mentioned it, four straight NL, AL, NL East titles. But the World Series, Leo, keeps eluding them. Now, they went to five in an right. eight-season stretch from 91 to 99, excluding 94 because of the strike. None since. They were up 3-1 against the Dodgers last NLCS. They lost the series. Right. And I remember talking with you about this last year. Um, is it good enough to just get there, or do they need to win one? Is it time to put up or shut up when it comes to the Braves getting to the playoffs? Are they just tired of it now? we got to get back to a World Series. Well, I, you know, I, I, this is a different era. This is the, the, this was it's a separation between what what we were where we went five times and won once and we apologize to nobody for for winning one and losing four because the other team you're facing is pretty damn good too yeah and uh, so anyway and they were all very competitive as you know some of them, the greatest World Series in the history of baseball well that, that doesn't even enter the thought process of the modern day Atlanta Braves the Atlanta Braves what they're thinking about is this and only one thing we were one win away from going to the World Series. Now, I think that's what's on their mind, and that's the only focus they have now in playing the Dodgers, saying, remember, we had them down 3-1 to one last year and let them off the hook. So I think that's, that's where the emphasis is on, uh, on what they're thinking down the road. Leo, the, the first overall pick in the 2015 MLB draft, obviously Dansby Swanson, who's now become the, you know, the basically the best shortstop the Braves have had in a long time, but he kind of fails to get the respect I feel like he deserves this year, put up a 2.1 war, hit 27 home runs. What does Dansby Swanson, his hitting and his defense, what does it all mean to this team? What, Dansby Swanson? Yes, yes. Oh, Dans- Dansby Swanson. You know, it reminds me of Dans- Dansby Swanson. Reminds me of a young Crawford out in San Francisco. Mm, yeah, and and that's a great compliment. And uh, uh, and so with Dan- Dan- these guys, in other words, like Snicker said, uh, you know, these this, the infield takes care of everybody. You know, and like you know, Freddie, they don't miss games. If you realize that, they don't miss games. So you, they're all similar, Swanson. Albies, Freeman, they're all they're all similar. Freeman is the leader of that group, oh, yeah. and they follow his suit. I think Freeman's only missed four ball games in the last couple of years. Well, guess what? That infield goes out there every single day, and that and you're asking what Swanson means to him. If Swanson's one of the guys that goes out there every single day, mm-hmm. and that's that. How many times in baseball now with this way of no, you know, the, they want to play. Those guys want to play 162 games. Some guys are satisfied with 120. Some guys don't want to play this. Take it out. That's all the modern crap now, you know. Well, I'm telling you right now, the 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 MVP of that club is the infield, and the main reason why is they go out every day. Now, when you go out every day, what happens? When you go out every day, you get numbers. You put numbers up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you can't put those numbers up unless you're playing. And durability in that infield is what makes the Braves special. Oh yeah, the the guys playing every single day. Dansby Swanson, one of the becoming one of the better shorts. We've been waiting a while 
for this to happen. But Dansby Swanson, the glove, the arm, the bat finally catching up with that this year. The 27 homers, 88 RBIs. He had a hell of a year for the Braves this year. Uh, and like you said, as the infield goes, so goes the Braves. And it's been, yeah. it's been evident this year. And you mentioned they were a win away from the World Series mm-hmm. last yeah. year. And now they're, they're getting that rematch. And you know they've got to be out for blood. Yeah. Is this well, look, look at it. And then you're, we haven't mentioned Albies for a switch hitter. I mean, he's yeah, the, the year, year he had. 30 home runs. 30 yeah. homers, 106 RBIs. Yeah, the year that yeah. He had, and, a, and a great defensive second baseman. Yeah. Yeah. And they're doing this without the best player on their team. Right. Uh, Ronald, Ronald Acuna's been out all year with the with the torn ACL. Oh, imagine Ima- if he was imagine on the that team. lineup yeah. with Acuna slotted right in the middle of that yeah. lineup. Well, Absolutely you know they, fantastic. You, they've they've lost the they lost the left fielder before the season even started. Harley Asuna. Yeah. Oh yeah, that yeah yeah. That's uh, thirty home runs there. Yeah, th- this right. this team is immensely immensely talented. With that in mind, Leo, is this finally the year? Given what happened last year, given the kind of the lack of respect because of all the other series that people were in tune with, is this the year where the Braves get past the Dodgers and they make it back to a World Series? I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) He he would like to think so, is his answer. I I would like to think so, but, you know, if if you're a betting man, which I'm not, it's it's hard to pick against the Dodgers. Yeah, it it really is, but I got to tell you. I mean, 110 wins. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're absolutely uh, right. Yeah. It's 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 insane. But I I gotta tell you, I know Zach and I are are pulling for the Braves. Yes. Uh, yeah. You, you can't root for the Astros. You, not yet, anyway. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a wait, minute. Hold on, because I am. I'm <laughs> rooting for yes. the Astros. I'm talking about to win another World Series. Oh, oh. I'm talking. About, well, I, you I, know what? That Astros is a good story no, too. No They're comment. playing without all the other. And how do you, the the one thing that the one White Sox guy that said he wasn't wasn't sure that Astros weren't doing that again? What a poor excuse for losing. The White Sox made a poor showing in the playoffs, and the Astros are proving that they don't need the other stuff to win. You know, I I, I got a story. I got a short story. That was uh, Ryan Tapera who made that comment. Um, I had a girlfriend who was working at a bar that, in, a, in a hotel down in Baltimore. And Tapera was playing, I think, for the, the Blue Jays at the time. And they were in town playing the Orioles. And he was staying in her hotel. And he comes down to her bar. And she's a beautiful woman. She was a beautiful woman. He comes down to her bar, gets talking to her, and offers her free tickets to the Orioles game. And she took, <laughs> she took them. And I said, babe, do you realize that Ryan Tapera was just trying to take – was just trying to kind of like – finagle his way in with you like this is my girlfriend and Ryan Tapera uh, a professional baseball player is trying to take her right out from under my nose just while he's in here on a three game trip <laughs> Ryan Tapera like like I'm glad it was him that said that because screw that guy yeah. yeah! Wow! Yeah. <laughs> Aggressiveness. He tried to take my girlfriend. Like, come on! It all worked out okay for you, Paul. It, well, yeah. Listen, listen, guys. What's what's how's everybody doing in Baltimore with the mess they have there? Uh, I'll, I'll well. tell you. <laughs> I'm assuming by mess you mean the Orioles themselves. Um, well, yeah, all the losses and uh, nobody in the seats. I hate to see that. Uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, Leo. Uh, we do this show every Saturday mm-hmm. throughout the entire year, and it's really hard. It's really hard because they're so, they're so bad. But what we have to do is – so, like, for example, they're, they're, they have the top pitching prospect in baseball in Grayson Rodriguez. We all know who Adley Rutschman is. Everybody in the world uh-huh. knows who he is. But Grayson Rodriguez, his first start in Bowie, 6,000 fans showed up in Bowie yeah. to watch that guy. All brought yeah. out gas cans because the guy throws gas. This team is di- – this, this city is dying for a winner. 
And I, I think they've proven that once they, that winning team gets on the field, they're going to come oh, out. Oh, the people drives. will be out there, absolutely. They're going to come out in droves. It's just we're getting a little, a little uh, forlorn about this. It's been – they're really only in year three of the rebuild uh, uh-huh. because t- 2020 really didn't count. It, it was a lost minor league season, a lost year of, of right. progress, and only 60 games. Um, it's it's hard. It's hard. We're looking – we see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're ready for it to be here now, but we probably got another year or two before they, yeah. get, they get back there. It's been it's been rough, to say the least. Well, hopefully um, the, it gets it better because I know they have some of the greatest fans in the world there when – just you just need to win a little bit. You don't have to be winning at all. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, get oh, they, back in the winning as on the winning side. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're ready for it. And we can't wait for it. Leo, thank you so much for joining our program today. Always absolutely. great to talk to you. I think you and I are a very similar mindset when it comes to baseball. So I always enjoy having you on the show. Hopefully, we're going to get a chance to talk with you soon. Right, enjoy the rest of the postseason. Absolutely. Talk. Keep me calling whenever you want. Absolutely. You have a great weekend. Take care. Okay. You too. Bye. Love talking to Leo Mazzoni. The guy's a, he's he's just a baseball guy. I I really enjoy that conversation. He's he's just a lot of fun, and he really is into the conversation. He's really invested in what he's talking about. He really has passion for for baseball. Right, and and he and I like leave your starting pitcher in there. Let your guys go out there and play 150 games. Like that's how you win. That's how you build team chemistry. Like I don't think you can understate. The importance of having the same four guys in your infield for 150 games a year. No, I mean it's I, chemistry. Dansby Swanson, I I feel like he gets a lot of hate that I don't really understand. He's just not that bad. Like, he's a good player. Dansby Swanson's a good defender and he hits. Um, Up until this year, he was good, not great. And, yeah, when, th- and when you're the one one in the draft, there's you, a little higher expectation. You should be great. This year, he took that step towards being great. Mm-hmm. He had a phenomenal year, mm-hmm. career year. All the way across the board for Dansby Swanson this year. Look, we got to get a quick break. Real real quick, I want to let you know that the Tyus Bowser Show is headed your way this season. Join the Baltimore linebacker and his special guest teammates at various locations around town with your chance to get pictures and autographs and hear everything that needs to be said before and after games. If you can make it out, you can watch the shows live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or listen to them the next day. The Tyus Bowser Show is brought to you by True Strong Services, Great H Memorabilia, and PressBox. Find out more at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser or GreatHMemorabilia.com. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, October 19th at Twain's Tavern in Pasadena. And coming November 2nd, you can meet legendary kicker Justin Tucker for free just by donating canned goods to Harvest of Hope. Find out more at GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. Also, Press Box Programming, another great show coming to you. Uh, It's it's, uh, those of you that are fans of pro wrestling, Mm -hmm. great show. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster, Brandon Linton, and SmackDown superstar, former Terp, AJ Francis, bring you jobbing out every week. This week, the guys caught up with WWE Hall of Famer and Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle before his appearance today at the Baltimore Celeb Fest 2. Find the show right now at PressBoxOnline.com radio or search jobbing out on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And don't forget... To join us every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zalas. KZ will help you set your lineups and find deep sleepers that might still be on your waiver wire to help you win your matchups. I sat in on that show this week, and I made a lot of changes just based on that show. 
Yeah. A lot of changes to my life just based on that show. Um, it's all brought to you by CCBC, the Maryland Department of Transportation, and Glory Days Grill. That's the Press Box Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zalis every Thursday at 1130 a.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Terrible segues for those live reads. But whatever, we got to pay some bills. We got to hit a break. When we get back, you have the payoff pitch and Orioles. Actually, it's baseball banter. What's up, everybody? This is Tyus Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Tyus Bowser show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressboxOnline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser show. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, October 19th at Twain's Tavern in Pasadena. It's brought to you by Pressbox. Grade 8's memorabilia, and true strong services. Glory Days Grill's popular Oktoberfest menu is back, and it features their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, hand-breaded in herb panko, and pan-fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites, like the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, brewer's sausage sandwich, Prussian pretzel rolls, slam dunk pretzels, and apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with their many Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine on their patios or in their dining room or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years. Thank you, fans. That first sip. (sighs) That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The latest issue of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who may well be the Ravens' next true defensive superstar in the lineage of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and Terrell Suggs. Also inside, we introduce you to Maryland Navy, Towson, and Morgan State football players and everything you need to know for football betting as it launches in Maryland. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Yeah, you're right. The breaks and the music is really loud today. 
You're muted. If I can, if I can unmute myself, I don't know why. You're really I, loud right now too. I'm just screaming, I guess. But I mean, here, let me turn myself down a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't know why it's so loud because it's not showing up on our on our sound thing, is what I'll call it, as loud. But it is so uh, weird. You're a sound thing. <laughs> I don't yep. get it. Boom. Got it. I don't really get it. The payoff <laughs> pitch around the league. In a highly competitive series, despite only going four games, the Red Sox bats proved mightier than the Raves pitching as the team blasted nine home runs in the series' final three games to lead Boston past Tampa Bay three games to one. In a matchup of two old-school managers with two ultra-talented rosters, it was Dusty Baker's Astros who outlasted Tony La, Russa, Tony La Russa's La Losers. Tony La Russa's White Sox as the more proven playoff-tested Strohs took the series three games to one. For the first time ever, the Giants and Dodgers... The Giants, the Giants, the Giants, the, 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 <laughs> the Dodgers and Giants met in the playoffs, and for these bitter rivals, it was one for the ages. The Giants tossed two shutouts. Two games were decided by one run. The final game was a duel that started and ended with wild decisions, but in the end, it was the Dodgers returning to the NLCS for six, the sixth time in nine years, winning the series three to two. Both teams pitched their butts off, but it was the Braves, led by 2020 MVP Freddie Freeman, who came out victorious over the Brewers 3-1. The Brewers scored just six runs the entire series uh, as Atlanta advanced to their second straight NLCS, a rematch with the Dodgers. In Game 1 of the ALCS, Kike Hernandez went 4-5 for five with two home runs and 11 total bases, but it wasn't enough as Jose Altuve hit a two-run homer and a sack fly, and Carlos Correa hit a home run of his own to lead the Astros over the Red Sox, six. I'm sorry, five to four. Uh, I didn't even write that down. I just went off. Memory. Right, yeah, I, I forgot to write that down. And now Zach will preview the NLCS and the ALCS. All right, starting off with the ALCS, the Astros and the Red Sox. They go they go head to head for Game Neither Two one of us can talk at four twenty today. today. Uh, Nathan Valdi he'll battle with rookie Luis Garcia, who is probably the favorite for Rookie of the Year, um, who went eleven and eight with a three thirty ERA this year. Game three will be at eight p.m. on Monday. Game four will be at eight on Tuesday. Game five at five p.m. on Wednesday. Game six at eight p.m. on Friday. Game seven at eight p.m. on Saturday. Uh, both teams have some of the hottest hitters on the planet right now. You're looking at Carlos Correa, Kike Hernandez, Jose Altuve, some incredible hitters on this team. And I think this really, this whole series, the ALCS, is going to come down to who can out-hit each other because the, the hitting on these teams is just otherworldly. Uh, but the Red Sox, you know, um, they're they're down in this. If we're looking at it as a season series, they're down 6-2 now. So the Red Sox definitely have some work to do if they want to come back and win this ALCS and move on to the, to the World Series. Now, the NLCS, the Braves and the Dodgers, they'll fight for the spot in the World Series. As today, Max Freed most likely fights Max Scherzer. We're not sure if Max Scherzer is going to be starting yet, but it looks like he's a likely candidate. Um that game is at 8 p.m. and Scherzer, since becoming a Dodger, he's seven and zero with a 1.98 uh, ERA in the regular season, and he carries a 1.13 ERA in the playoffs so far. Obviously, tiny sample size, but still, it's Max Scherzer. He's great. In eight years in the playoffs, Scherzer carries the 3.18 ERA, so he's bound to probably throw up a really, really good start tonight if he throw does. Up. Well, th- throw a real good start tonight if he if he does end up getting that start. Uh, at 7:30 tomorrow, game two. At five on Tuesday, game three. On Wednesday, game four is at 8 p.m. Game five is on Thursday at 8 p.m. Game six next Saturday and game seven next Sunday, which we'll cover next weekend. And the Dodgers carry a four and two record versus the Braves this year. So again, the Braves have some work to do if they want to win this series. Boy, I'll tell you, man. I uh, I'm really excited for this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I had forgotten that the Braves took the Dodgers to three one before losing the last three games of that series last year. Boo! I think that they remember that. <laughs> Boo! I they, they they remember that. I'm sure. And I think uh, they go out and they get Charlie Morton so that doesn't happen mm-hmm. again, right? 
I really think that they're going to take them. This this is going to come down to the wire. I really yeah, do. Yeah, I just don't know how you beat the Dodgers pitching with all of the inc- I mean it's just amazing. I mean you look yeah. even even without, you know, they they they're not even fully healthy and they still are ridiculous in their pitching department. Yeah, it's, I mean I mean you go Freed, Anderson, Morton. Mm-hmm. Freed, Anderson, Morton. Mm-hmm. Freed. Yeah. I, I, that's I, that's the way you got to do it, I guess. Yeah. Right. I, I mean with the day off in between like I wouldn't be surprised to see Max Freed pitch three times in this series. Yeah. If it gets to a game seven, and I think it could, I think it could, and, and I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm, I'm saying that the that the Braves are going to get by them. The Braves are going to go to the World Series. I, I, I think that this is, they've won four straight NL East titles. They have a really, really explosive lineup. They have great starting pitching, and they have that sour taste in their mouth from last year. They're getting by the Dodgers. They're going to the World Series. That's my thought. I want to believe it, and I almost do. For some reason, I'm not sure because the Dodgers won so many games this year and they were so unbelievable. But there were times this year where both teams looked extremely vulnerable. I mean, I, I, I especially the Braves. I mean, like you just said to Leo earlier, by August 5th, they were you know not they didn't even have a winning record at that point. Yeah. So I, I can't. The Braves are the they they are so hot right now and they're so good right now since the beginning of August. It feels like the momentum is on their side to me, but. We're, th- we're talking about a Dodgers team who acquired midseason Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. And they had and the best record in baseball after right. that. Right. Like they're, they're equally hot. Max Scherzer had a 1.98 ERA. I don't know how you beat that. I just don't. If Max Scherzer pitches three times in the series, I don't know how the Braves get past that. Yeah, no, and honestly, when you have you have Scherzer, Bueller, Arias, and then that bullpen, yeah. uh, pick your poison, right? Basically, uh, yeah. Oh man, it's gonna be a great series. I, I'm, I'm this is the one I'm looking forward to because I, I I'm rooting for the Astros to win the whole thing. I'm just gonna the, say to win the whole thing to win the whole thing. The Astros are, are the Why team I, I want. I just have a soft spot for them for some reason. I, Dusty I, Baker. I like well Dusty Baker. Yes, I really liked him when he was the manager of the Nationals. But the other reason is that the Astros proved that rebuilds work. And maybe that's why I have a soft spot for them. They proved it. They proved that the rebuild, a rebuild can happen in, well, it didn't take them, it took them five, six years, I want to say, is, is probably like my best estimation of it. But it, they proved that rebuilds can work, and a lot of the Orioles staff came right from there. So I have a little bit of soft spot for them for that reason. I get that. I get that. Right. And I, I, can, I can get on that page with you. I can do that. Um, 11, 12, 13. Three straight hundred and six plus lo- hundred hundred plus loss yep. seasons, right? Um, doesn't count though because two of them were in the National League, according yeah. to Buster. Only, <laughs> come on, Buster, butthead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have him on the show next week to discuss. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 I don't want to say. I'll never say never. I, but I do not have any desire to have Buster Only on the show, and well, I don't it, think he and. and I don't think he would come on. He'd Bobby Big League us anyway and never come on yeah, anyway. I, I, so I, it, I mean. Uh, Talk about little man syndrome. Uh, you know what? I don't want to go off on this. <laughs> I, I I I don't I, I don't want to do this. The last time I did this, I got very heated on a show and didn't like how I came across. So I don't want to get back into it. Buster only just just yeah. Anyway, um, my whole thing is is the world ready for another Astros World Championship? Because Probably not. No, I don't think they are. I don't think they'll ever be. Right. Until the Astros really, until Jose Altuve's gone, and they're until Correa's so, gone, and they're so arrogant about oh, it. Oh, they are, hundred percent. They're so like, and I get it. They've earned that right to be because mm-hmm. it's like, 
yeah, well, you can see we don't need to steal signs, and we're still better than you. Yeah. Then why the hell did you do it? Yeah. I right? mean, yeah. Uh, it's that's the way you kind of look at it. Um, I the guy I don't like is Altuve. I just am not an Altuve fan, and I I. I I don't like to see him do well because I know he was such a big part in that cheating scandal. I really think he was kind of... I know he wasn't like the mastermind behind the whole thing. Um, there were like Carlos Beltran, Alex Cora were obviously huge parts of that. But Altuve, it, to me, is the player that I look at that did the most. Um, and I still... It, it, it's funny because they... Um, they the, the team says that he had the least to do with it. Yeah, but why wouldn't uh, they? I, yeah, he's, I, he's the star, so you you almost have to say that. I feel like, but Carlos Correa, I have a sp- I, I also have a soft, uh, soft spot for because Michael Elias draft pick, um, the number one overall and pick. He was and the most remorseful guy. He it, was, and he's also incredibly exciting to watch. Yeah, no, he's he, he's a hell of a player, uh, and that pitch that he hit out, that he hit out last night, that was shoulder high. You ever try to hit a shoulders high fastball? Yeah, you pop it right up. Yeah, or, or you <laughs> don't hit it at all. Right, yeah. Because it's damn hard. I am a victim of the high fastball in my league. I, I just learned a few days ago that you played college baseball. I didn't know this. I really, yeah. I had no, I no, you never I, told me that, ever. One year. One year. For Harvard Community College. Yeah. Back when they were terrible. Mm-hmm. I didn't start. <laughs> I became the starting right fielder when our starting right fielder tore his labrum. And I immediately I played like four games and then I immediately sprained my ankle in the basketball court like an idiot and oh, I was nice. out, and I was I was, <laughs> nice. I was out I was on crutches for a week and I was out the rest of the year. Oh man! Uh, but I did play. Um, I hit two hundred. I went four <laughs> four for twenty that year. Let's go! Look, look, I'm a better baseball player now than I was back then. I, I didn't put as much effort into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also, if I'm being perfectly honest, my uh, my head coach was. He would tell me I had an uppercut swing, but then not try to help me fix it. Um, That's which, good player development. Which, <laughs> and then, and I would I would find myself getting irritated because I wanted to be better and I wanted the opportunity, but he I, I didn't feel and I, and I like the guy. I've actually played in, in, on a team with him since then, and I like the guy. And he's a great baseball talent. Um, he was a great baseball talent when he was in high school coming up. He got an invite to spring training with the Twins back in two thousand one. Um, he's a great hitting instructor. I just didn't feel as though I was groomed the way I felt like I should have been. Groomed is a terrible word, but it's for lack of a better one. Yeah, it works. Um, but I have nothing, I hold nothing against him. I didn't put the effort into it back then that I put into it now. I'm a better ball player now. I don't know if that would have translated or not, but whatever. This isn't the Paul Valley <laughs> baseball show. This is this is a Paul Valley, uh, you know, the batter. Talk about the Orioles show. Talking yeah. about the, we're going to talk about professional baseball, not my uh, Sunday baseball league. But anyway, anyway, really great series. All the way around. Mm-hmm. Even that that Rays Red Sox series, it was tightly contested. Uh, Rays win that first game five nothing. Uh, they come out and get out to a five to one lead in game two, and then lose fourteen to six. But then six to four game that goes thirteen innings, a, a, a two run walk off homer, and Matt Vasgersian sitting there and he says, "There have only been seven. There have been seven walk off home runs hit by catchers in postseason history." Next pitch. The catcher hits a walk off over. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah. Foreshadowing to the umph degree. Uh and then six to five where it's the the Red Sox got out to a five nothing lead. The Rays come all the way back, it's five five, and then they lose it in the bottom of the ninth. Uh it was it was a hell of a series that didn't go all the way through, right? Um We we're talking about the Astros and how you want to root for them in the World Series. I don't want to root for the Red Sox. I can't do it. No way. If the Red Sox make the World Series, I'll be devastated. I, I just do not want to see them have success. I just don't like it. I'm sorry. No, I don't I, like I, it. I, I get it. I get it. I'm not a Red Sox guy have, either. They, they are, 
the Astros, I think, are going back to the World Series. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. both teams are really talented, but the Astros are. Although I, I that team plays for Alex Cora. They do. Uh, like they play hard for him. I man. have no respect for what the Red Sox did in bringing back Alex Cora. I just don't have any respect for that. I, I can't. No matter no matter the fact that they're a a, a divisional foe and that the Orioles lose to them constantly. Um, I just have I lost all respect for that franchise when they brought back Alex Cora. I just can't stand that. But I mean, you knew it was coming. I know, but he cheated. Like the, the, he the, cheated. Like it's it's. I'm sorry. I don't like it. I so, don't like uh, it. Yeah, but you're pulling for the Astros and Correa and Altuve and all those guys. I know. They, they cheated. I'm not pulling for Altuve. I don't like him. Yeah, but he's on that team and they he cheated is. and you want them to win the World Series because you, of the Orioles. Have... Conne- because of the Orioles connection. Yeah. Well. Well. I know. It, it's 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 a little bit. I'm contradicting <laughs> myself a little bit, but. I Alex Cora coming back is something I do the not like. The day that Alex Cora got fired, you should have known that they would bring him back in 2021. Like, like I I knew that, and they act yeah. like that like it was down to him and Sam Fold for for that job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they no, were like, okay. no, Sam Fold was a serious consideration, and people can say, no, he really was. No, he wasn't. No, no, he wasn't. They did it because they had to interview someone a- else. Alex Cora was always going to be the manager of the Boston Red Sox this year. Yeah. And even better, they didn't have to manage the team during a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, where they only played 60 games. Whatever, man. You you lost Alex Cora for 60 games. This was going to happen. And you can't convince me otherwise. It, it was the plan from day one. And they, and look, and they tanked that season last year. I don't disagree. Like, like And yeah, you can hate it, but you should have seen it coming. You've had You've had a year and a half to come to grips, to come to terms with this. Because mm-hmm. we, we, we knew it was coming. And I'm not, not really upset about it anymore. I just don't like to see the Red Sox be good because we're Orioles fans. We so And we, we try to, you know, to win against divisional opponents, and that's the goal. And, and oh. to see a divisional opponent win, especially a storied franchise like that, has so many World Series championships already, I just would rather see the Astros win. That's oh, I, I 100% think that the Astros-Red Sox is basically worst-case scenario. Yeah, for the, for the ALCS. Uh, I mean, I guess the only worst case scenario would have been Astros Yankees. Uh, who the hell wants to see that again? No one ever. Except, except <laughs> no one ever. Nobody outside of Houston and New York. Like that was. I would have much rather seen the Rays and the White Sox battling it out, mm-hmm. and the White Sox overcoming and, and get there. Even if you hate Tony La Russa, um, I just. When it, when I saw that it was going to be Red Sox Astros, a, a piece of me died. You know, it it, it was just uh, not. It, it it was brutal. It was brutal. Now that Braves Brewers series, man, man, the the Braves just pitched, right? Yeah, I they, mean, they they did. they they just pitched, and and again, it sucks that that was like really. Can 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 you? Was this not the afterthought of the postseason? I don't know if I ever really saw the Brewers as. A realistic winner this year, I think is the way I'll put it. I never really saw the Brewers as much of competition, so I'm not entirely surprised that the Braves just kind of walked all over them and pitched as well as they did. Um, but this series, you know, it, it was a little actually it was a little. I should say it was a little bit closer than I even expected. I thought the Braves would dominate more than they even did, but the Braves, just like you said, I mean, every guy pitched as well as they needed to. We talked about it last year. I remember, I think we had Leo Mazzoni on at about the same time. We did. We had we and, had a very similar conversation. And I remember talking about how bad the bullpen had been for the Braves at the time and that they needed to improve. And the pitching this time around is what really might put them over the top in the Dodgers, uh, in the Dodgers series. And it's what, it's again, it's what put them over the top in the Brewers series. Yeah. It, but that, 
it's crazy to me. Like, you didn't really answer my question. It was, like, th- was this not the afterthought? Oh, no, uh, it, it totally was. Of, of the po- and you have two very good teams. And, and, and I, be, because the Brewers are just not that big of a market. Well, and the crazy thing about the Brewers is, like, Willie Adamas was the difference maker for He's that really team. He's really good. They were 74 and 44 mm-hmm. after they got him. Willie, you just said on the air, Willie Adamas is really good. He is, though. He's okay. I think he's really good. I mean, I'm going to pull up his numbers this year. I, I think I think Willie Adamas. I mean, he was he was at one point a top ten prospect in baseball, I believe, by MLB Pipeline. He he's was a 235 hitter. Yeah, but I mean, I he put up 4.2 uh, WAR this year. He hit 262, 25 home runs. He hit 262. Yeah, OPS of 886. Oh, sorry, uh, 818, I should say. But yeah, 262, 25 home runs. He had a good year. Um, no, he, he had a good year. He's a good player. I did. I it it blows my mind. He's not Carlos Correa, that but Willie Adamas was the guy that put the Brewers over the top. Well, look, they certainly needed it because if you look at the production that Christian Yelich gave what them, what the this hell year, happened to Christian Yelich? I know that he broke his, he dislocated his kneecap yeah. at the end of 2019, and last year was not a good year for him. No, is he done? Like, what happened to Christian Yelich? I don't want to say he's done, but I think he's on a really bad track to being there. Um, be, I mean, look, they have him under contract till I think 2027. They're paying him. Oh man, they're paying him probably twenty-eight million a year, somewhere around there. It's pretty, it's pretty high. I don't know what they're gonna do. And same, you know, it, it reminds me of what happened to Cody Bellinger. It's kind of the same deal. Him and Christian Yelich had these incredible twenty nineteens and just couldn't figure it out in twenty twenty. It's carried over to twenty twenty one for both of them. Yeah, well, Bellinger's Bellinger, you can kind of excuse um, because he's been injured a lot. He right? he did. He broke his leg at, at, like yeah. in, in game one. Of this year, and that's really hard to come back from. Mm-hmm. He had sh- shoulder surgery in the off season, so you mm-hmm. couple that. Uh, the 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 game is still there for Cody Bellinger for me. I I think I, I said this watching the wild card game. I think Cody Bellinger is going to be comeback player of the year next year. Okay, uh, I, I I I look at that ball player and he he's really good. The, the biggest issue he's though, really good. Yeah, I. I don't know whether to agree because if you look at the numbers, they would tell you completely otherwise. Yeah, but yeah, but, but the, the numbers the. You you you're just looking at it very superficially. You're looking at it on the surface. Sure. You, you look at you, it's a confirmation bias. Right. The the guy shoulder surgery and a broken leg. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do that and see if you can even play pickup basketball. <laughs> I I'm not saying I could, but my point is with Bellinger is that he made a big swing change coming into 2020. I remember in spring training they were interviewing him and he was talking about, oh, I did this and I did this and I did this to become a better player. Um, and you I think just won the MVP. Right. And he 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 made a major swing change. And this is like documented. You can go back and look at this stuff. I think that's what had a big part in screwing him up in 2020, and then obviously the injuries in 2021. Um, his swing looks really long. I, I saw him in person one time this it's year. It's always been that long. It is really long now, though. And I, I think if he just shortens up and just tries to make contact and start, instead of trying to hit the ball 450 feet, I think he might play a little better. And and maybe he'll try that in the World Series a little bit. Uh, not the World Series, but the playoffs a little bit. Well, a little foreshadowing there. World yeah, Series. I, I don't know. I still believe it. They're, uh, they're probably. They, I mean, they won 106 games. They've been there six. They've, they've been. This will be. You can see what my mind's thinking. Yeah, <laughs> when the, I say stuff like it's, that, it's, it's a foregone conclusion, right? That the Dodgers are going to be there, which is why I think the Braves are going to take them. I, I I don't think that the Dodgers are a team that gets caught up in themselves to the point where it impacts how they, how they play on the field. But if there's even a little bit of that, the Braves are going to take advantage and go to the World Series. Yeah. 
I, I don't disagree. I think it's going to be a great series. I think this is the best competition um, in an NLCS we've had in a long time. I think both these teams are really evenly matched. By the way, the Dodgers just released their NLCS, or both teams, I should say, released their NLCS rosters. Um, and David Price left off. So that's a little bit interesting, I guess. I don't know how much of a difference he makes. but I mean, he had a sub-4 ERA making spot starts and coming out of the bullpen in a long relief. Uh, uh, I think they made him their closer for a little bit at one point. Uh, David Price, the crazy thing is he'd be a number one for the Orioles. Yeah, he right? would be, yeah. Right? He would uh, be. I mean, you can take... Maybe behind John Means, but it's close. You can legitimately take anybody out of the Braves rotation. Their highest ERA was like 478, and that guy's number two Yeah, with the Orioles. So, uh, it, I mean, that, that is what it is. David Price, that's a guy... He's on. The, he's in the twilight of his career, the back nine, if you will. He's on about hole 16 of his career, <laughs> I would that's imagine. That's a good analogy. I would imagine. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, prediction time. You, who who's going to the world? You got Dodgers Astros. Yes. And who wins it all? I know who you want to win it all. Who wins it all? Man, I don't know. This is so tough. I think both teams. That would be an incredible World Series. That would just be. I think that will go to Game Seven for sure. I'm almost positive. I think the Astros. I think they have the momentum right now. I really think they're they're just playing. With so much moment, and even when they get down, like they did last night, I mean, they were down in, I, I believe, a three-one hole, if I'm, if I remember correctly, and they came back in one-five-four. I think the Astros. I really think their momentum. They're so is good. They're yeah. so playoff tested. Um, I'm gonna go Braves, Astros, and I think the Astros are gonna win the World Series. Yep. I, I think the Astros are your 2021 20, World Champions. We gotta get Sean McAdam on the line. He's gonna talk about the Red Sox. I'm sure he has a differing opinion about who's gonna make the World Series out of the ALCS um, because he. Covers the Red Sox for the Boston Sports Journal. Um, yeah, look, maybe it's just me wanting that kind of drama in baseball that I'm calling the Braves to beat the Dodgers. Maybe that's what that is. But I just, I looked at their roster, and and maybe they weren't an afterthought. Maybe they were just an afterthought to me. But I looked at the Braves roster, and I'm looking at that lineup, and I'm looking at that rotation, and I'm just like, man, they are good. This is a good baseball team, and I've I've always loved the Braves. It was growing up; they were it was the Orioles were always on TV, and the Braves were always on TV on TBS. Um, but yeah, it was just it, it's easy for me to pull for the Braves. Easy for me to pull for the Braves. What's going on over there? You're making these weird faces. You're staring at your phone like it stole something from look, you. Look, look, look. The, the guy that answered the phone with the number I called was not Sean McAdam. Definitely not Sean McAdam. But How I'm, do you know? I'm, Did I'm you ask try. if it was Sean? No. He's, I, 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 said, I said, hey, it's Zach. Whenever press box ready to go. And he said, pardon me? In a voice that did not sound like Sean McAdam. But I'm going to call. 978. Yeah, I got it. I, got it. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't read yeah, that over not, the yeah, air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will call back. I will give it another shot. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we're having some difficulties. I almost gave out somebody's number on on <laughs> on the radio. My I'm having a weird day, man. Uh, like, I, I I took an Ambien last night because it's really hard for me to fall asleep uh, before these shows. And I, I woke up today, and I guess you have to take that and then expect to get eight to nine hours of sleep. I got six hours of sleep. It just wasn't a. Uh, it, it's been a weird day. We'll put it that way. I'm a, I'm. Having some some issues here. We got him there? All right. I think Zach must have just hit a, a wrong number by mistake when he dialed it. Was it the same voice? No, I don't believe so. But anyway, yeah. anyway, that, that mo was, moving on. Moving that was, that on. We, was, we do have a, Sean McAdam on the line now. That was a Zach Goodman error. Probably, probably Zach Goodman error. Yeah, I think it was. I, there's no, there's no Maybe doubt the phone it. screwed up. I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah. Or maybe let's you blame just, it on the phone. Yeah, because you pushed the wrong button. <laughs> it's a good um, possibility. Anyway, on the line now from the Boston Sports Journal, he covers the Red Sox uh, for that publication. We have Sean McAdams. Sean, how are you today? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're doing really well. Thanks for joining the program, and thanks, especially in the morning after a long game that had a lot of dramatics last night. Uh, <laughs> how excited! Look, I know the Red Sox lost, but that was one hell of a ball game. How exciting was that game last night? Yeah, it was a fun atmosphere. Uh, you know, the crowds in Houston are into it, um, as they've been each of the last five runs to the ALCS that this franchise has been on. And um, it was a, uh, you know, this is the third time these two teams have met in the postseason since 2017. There was a exciting ALCS matchup in 2018, won by the Red Sox. And so... Um, you know, the back-and-forth nature of the game with the Red Sox uh, falling behind then going ahead then giving up the lead, then uh, Houston takes a, a two-run lead. The Red Sox cut it to one in the ninth. So um, a, a good start to the LCS, and I think um, this series has the potential to be a pretty exciting one. Oh, yeah, I certainly think it's going to be a really entertaining series, to say the least. Now, look, the Red Sox... They win the wild card game against the Yankees, and they won it in pretty convincing fashion. But then you're thinking, all right, here's the race. They're the defending AL champions. They had the best record in the American League, third best record in baseball. Uh, and then the Red Sox go out and they lose game one, five, nothing. And you're like, eh, this is kind of what we expected. Then that offense just absolutely goes bananas. Nine home runs in the next three games. They win the next three games. The first one, 14 to six, and then two close games to, to close out the series. Uh, was it a bit of a shock that against that pitching staff, that offense was so deadly, or is it just this is what this offense can do when they're clicking on all cylinders? Well, uh, certainly when things are going well, that lineup can score a ton of runs. Uh, you know, they were in the top five in virtually every category during the season, whether it be runs scored per game, OPS, slugging percentage, extra base hits, doubles. Uh, they did everything well. They didn't hit a ton of homers. Um, but they hit enough, and it was a pretty good offense. Uh, that said, as you correctly point out, um, that's a pretty good Tampa Bay pitching staff and yeah. one that had handled the Red Sox uh, very well during the course of the season, especially after the first four or five games. The Red Sox swept Tampa in the first series of the year and then took a couple of games against the Rays in the next meeting and then barely won another meeting between the two. So the momentum was certainly on the side of the Rays. They had finished eight games in front of them in the standings. Uh, you mentioned losing game one. Remember, they were also down, the Red Sox were down 5-2 in the third inning of game two. Yeah. So it, they were very close to going down two games to nothing before they even got home to Fenway. Uh, I, I was surprised they beat the Rays. Um, I was certainly surprised that they were able to win three in a row the way they did. But when that offense gets on a roll and they get the kind of contributions out of their bullpen, that's a pretty good combination. Yeah, and even more surprising is that two of their horses in that lineup that got them there, J.D. Martinez and Rafael Devers, clearly injured, right? J.D. Martinez, he uh, he has the ankle injury and then comes out and goes four for five in a game and, dri and drives in three runs. <clears throat> Devers... It seemed like you got hurt in that wild card game. Nobody's really people are talking about it, but they keep saying that nobody's 100. percent He's not injured. On every swing on a high fastball, though, Devers' uh, front arm falls off the bat. 
he's definitely dealing with something, is he not? Yeah, there's a forearm issue there that I think uh, actually probably happened with about a week to go in the season and, not surprisingly, um, has gotten worse uh, right. as the last uh, 10 days have unfolded. Um, you can see him being quite uncomfortable on some swings. He has dropped the bat a lot. You see him wincing a little bit when it when he kind of swings the wrong way and that whatever it is, the strain um, produces a lot of discomfort there. So um, he's been able to kind of power through it, and I mean that literally because he's had a couple of uh, moonshot home runs, right. especially to straightaway center field, but he's clearly not himself, and he's just trying to gut through the rest of the season here, though he's clearly reduced. Oh, yeah. Now, speaking of somebody who's not themselves, but in the opposite direction is Kike Hernandez. 14 for 28 this postseason. Four home runs, eight RBIs, four doubles. He has two games, Sean, this postseason with at least four hits and at least 10 total bases. Uh, what? Where did this come from? Because Kike Hernandez, we were talking about it earlier in the show, good player. Not that, not that player, but he looks like a different guy right now. Yeah, he's a guy that definitely has elevated his game in the postseason. And last night, coming off the four-hit, two-home run game, which only kind of tells half the story, he also made a couple of great plays in center field. Oh, too. yeah. Um, you know, he was saying that all the exposure to the postseason stage while with the Dodgers, uh, even if he was not always a lineup regular, because particularly in the past, the Dodgers would platoon a lot. They'd move guys around. He'd play short. He'd play second. He'd play center. Uh, but he wasn't always an everyday lineup fixture there. Right. But the Dodgers went six straight years to the postseason, including a few trips to the World Series. So I, I think being exposed to that atmosphere as regularly as he has been in L.A. has helped him here. Um, you know, the game doesn't get too big for him. Uh, and... You're right. Uh, he's good, but not this good. And yet, you know, this is a player on a hot streak, kind of riding it for all it's worth right now, with 13 hits over the span of. Uh, or, uh, I'm trying to remember now. I did maybe 11 hits over the span of four postseason game, which which is more than any player in postseason history has had in any stretch of four games before. Oh no! You and you were right the first time. It's 13 hits over. Over the four games. It, yeah, as, well, as I was saying it, I was like, no, that can't be. Nobody no, has 13 hits in four games. I remember I remember getting the, the message from ESPN saying that he had 12 through the first four games, and then he yep. hit the home run in the ninth. So it was definitely yep. 13 hits. What he's doing is just otherworldly right now. He And this is the thing. Like, he's never been this good in the postseason, but that's kind of what Kike Hernandez does in the postseason. He shows up in big games. He's just – I look at him in the same light as Ben Zobris. I don't think he's quite the same player Ben Zobris is, but you can put him anywhere. You can hit him first. You can hit him second. You can bat him ninth. It doesn't really matter where you put him. He's going to be a guy that you can depend on. Um, but, again, I just – I don't think he's the player that he is right now, but I think the Red Sox are going to ride it as long as they can. Now, I look at this team, and at the beginning of the year, a lot of people were writing the Red Sox off because of how they finished uh, in last place, even behind the Orioles in a fluky, weird 2020 season. Um, but then I looked at them, and I, and I said, you know what, they're getting their water Rodriguez back. They, a- they added 
uh, Tanner Houck and Garrett Richards. They're going to basically have a trade deadline pickup in Chris Sale because that's about when he'll be getting back. You add that to Evaldi, and then you look at the lineup. And I picked the Red Sox to finish in second place in this division. My let's, co-host, let's not. Uh, we don't even have to talk about it. My <laughs> and we don't have to talk about my it. My co-host over here said he didn't even expect them to win seventy games. I think I predicted seventy-five, somewhere around there. You said it two weeks ago. You didn't even expect them to win seventy, though. Oh, did I? I don't you, you know. Said Maybe it on, I did. On the, Maybe on this I did. Show. Maybe People I did. don't forget. Anyway, uh, Sean, did you have any doubts when you're because you're around this team every day? Did you have any doubts that the Red Sox would be right back in it this year? Um, you know, I think the last time I was on the show, I, I said that I expected them to be somewhere between <clears throat> 85 and 88 wins, uh, depending on how healthy they were, catching a few breaks along the way. Uh, I, I thought they could be in contention for a wild card spot if everything broke right. And frankly, that's where they were. They just uh, exceeded the win total by anywhere from, uh, you know, four to seven, depending on how you look at the math. Right. But I, I did not think that they were going to be here in the ALCS in mid-October. I, I thought that anything over a 500-year and contending for, you know, sort of playing important games in September would be a significant step forward for the franchise, given that they finished last a year ago and that, you know, the, the, this is kind of part of a rebuild. So, I think they're definitely ahead of schedule, and they're kind of playing with house money at this point. No, yeah, I I 100% agree with you. Now, I I do know that the Red Sox spend money when they have to, and I don't think that they're a team that rebuilds. I think they're a team that reloads. With that in mind, uh, and I know they're still playing right now, so it's crazy to talk about it, but what do you think the Red Sox approach will be this offseason? Are they going to be in play for any of these top free agents, or are they just going to kind of add a a little bit of a sprinkle here and there to what's already a good team? Yeah, I think it's more the latter. Um, it's not Hein Bloom's nature to go out and you know bid for those um, two hundred million dollar players. Uh, you know, this is a great shortstop class year with Seager and Baez and Correa and Story and all these guys available. Um, you know, the Red Sox are set it short for the time being, although Xander Bogarts has an opt-out for next year. Um, look, they could use pitching. I don't know that they're going to be, you know, in on the Max Scherzers or whoever might be the top-rated free agent starter. Um, I, I think they want to continue to build up the inventory of prospects. I think they want to, you know, take significant steps forward. But, you know, remember, this is a team that got itself in trouble uh, you know, spending two hundred to thirty, two hundred forty million dollars, and then in twenty nineteen, not even getting a postseason spot out of it. Right. So, uh, I think if there's going to be a big indulgence, a big splurge on the free agent market, it probably isn't going to come until the year after when Heinblum sees that one guy that he believes is the key to sort of putting them over the top and really making them a perennial World Series contender year after year. Yeah, and I think that that's how the Red Sox envision themselves. Like I said, I don't think that they that they're a team that goes through a rebuild. And I, look, I, I tend to agree with you. I, a, they don't need to go after any of those top five shortstops. I do think that they need to add some pitching, maybe a little bit of outfield help. Although Alex Verdugo has been very good for them. Um, 
But I, I I agree with you. I don't think the time is now for them to go out because the the free agents don't really fit their needs uh, this offseason. However, right. like we said, they do need pitching. And Eduardo Rodriguez is a free agent at the end of the year. Do you think that he's going to be reunited with the Red Sox or do you think that they let him test free agency? I think there's an outside chance that they qualify him. And if they do, he'll accept it. I don't think they want to get into making any kind of multi-year commitment to him. He's obviously been a guy that has been up and down um, in 2019. You know, he won 19 games, gave him 200-plus innings. He missed all of last year with a combination of COVID and a resulting uh, heart inflammation issue. Mm -hmm. And this year, although his secondary numbers are much better than, uh, than would be indicated just looking at his ERA and one loss, um, he was, again, inconsistent. So I, I think that they would protect themselves possibly by giving him a qualifying offer. That means they get a draft pick if he goes elsewhere. And if he stays, yeah, $18.4 million is certainly an overpay for him. Right. But for a big market team, they can afford that for one year. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I didn't even think about the qualifying offer. I think that would actually be a really smart move on the Red Sox part because, like you said, even if he doesn't re-sign – they get a draft pick out of it. Yeah. And if he does, they, they get a good left-handed pitch who has experience and wins in the, in the American League East for a little bit more than what he's worth, but he stays in your rotation helps you win again next year. Now, before we let you go, last question that we're going to ask you, and I feel like it's one of those ones that even though we want to not talk about it, we kind of have to, you have the Astros playing against the Red Sox. And, you know, there's tainted um, levels of – based around their World Series championships, the Astros in 2017, the Red Sox in 2018. We know about the scandals around the team. What does it say about these two teams that they are back here battling it out to get back to the World Series? And does this prove that it's time for baseball to move on? I'm sorry, does it prove to, to, that it's time for baseball to what? To move on from the from these scandals. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's an easy narrative and storyline that hangs over this series. It's unavoidable. Right. You've got Alex Cora with connections to not only both franchises, but frankly, uh, you know, two separate scandals. The the really egregious one here in 2017 and the slightly less serious 2018 one in Boston where they were punished, but Cora was found to have not much of any of a role with. Um it's kind of impossible to ignore. It's sitting there right in front of your face when these two teams get together and core is part of the mix. Right. Um, But I suspect that once we get past this and maybe, you know, maybe the one of these two teams goes on and plays the Dodgers and that's a, 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 uh, a rematch of either 2017 or 2018, the Dodgers get another chance to uh, beat a team without some of that backdrop. Uh, I, I think in a couple of weeks this is all gone, but it's kind of unavoidable given that it's right in front of us and the, the two teams and the, one of the managers involved. Um, it, it's, it's tough to ignore. Uh, I'm sure baseball would prefer to have the focus on the Correas and Bogarts and Devers and Bregmans and Altuves, but um, it, it is what it is, and it's not going away for the rest of the month. Right, and to be perfectly honest with you, a lot of people thought that this might that this was kind of like the worst case scenario for the ALCS. But honestly, Sean, I think it's going to end up being the best thing for baseball because it's going to allow people to finally move on. Because, like you said, no matter if the Dodgers get past the Braves, no matter what, they're getting a rematch with one of those teams, 
and it, it really could be the best thing for baseball to put this to bed and not have to deal with it ever again. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there's kind of the, the, the potential for a cleansing element, if you will, to kind of run the gauntlet for one of these two teams. One, <clears throat> one of them is going to be in the World Series in 10 days. Yep. And, um, you know, it'll continue to be a storyline there. But once we get to November 3rd, um, I think it puts it, I think it sort of um, disappears and we don't hear much more about it again. I tend to agree with you. Sean, I know you're a busy guy. I really appreciate you taking some time for us here on a Saturday morning. Uh, go enjoy the rest of this series. And hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Take care. That was Sean McAdam from the Boston Sports Journal joining us to talk about the Red Sox. And you know, it's funny because until that conversation that I had with him, I, I'm i sitting there and I'm like, man, Red Sox, Astros, ugh. But really, it ultimately could end up being the best thing for baseball. I, uh, it, I, if, if one of those teams gets yeah. back and it's against the Dodgers, it's a rematch and you have nothing else to say. Not only, it's done. not only that, I think it's going to be just an entertaining series. I mean, it was last night. Last night was an yeah. incredibly entertaining game. And I think it's the best thing for baseball to have two really, really good teams like the Red Sox have proved to be um, and the Astros have proved to be. So that's my thought on oh, that. There's nothing better than postseason baseball. Some people say postseason hockey, and I do love the NFL playoffs, but postseason baseball, man. I, I it, Could not care less about hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could I, not care I'm, less. I'm trying to get excited about it. All right, yeah. all right, fair. I, I, I'm... I'm trying to, man. I, I'm. I was into the game the other night with the Caps, and Oveskin scored two goals in the four, in the third period. Um, I I was more into it than I have been in years past. We'll we'll put it that way. But I'm still not completely bought in to hockey. But I'm trying. Yeah. Okay. I, a lot of my friends are. They invite me over to their house to watch the game, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't really have any interest in this. But yeah. I, I, but I want to. I need. I need something for the off season. Right, right. So, uh, like, other than than the NFL, because uh, that's one that's three days a week. But for your team, it's one day a week. Yeah. Right. So, like, I need something. So I'm trying to get into hockey. Speaking of football, every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com/tickets. But if you can't make it to the game and you can't make it out to that beautiful stadium that I was just at on on a uh, Monday night, which I think started yes. this sore throat uh. stuff. Once again, this season, Pressbox's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and post game for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune in to Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined post game by your favorite analysts like the NFL chicks, Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalis, and more. KZ joins Glenn tomorrow after the huge Baltimore LA showdown. Watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. Pressbox is Project Game Day. Every game day presented by Glory Days Grill and Window Nation. Zach, what do you got for us? All right, a new era of Glenn Clark Radio gets underway on Monday as the bat around zone, Paul Valley takes over the show's co-captain. Over as the show's co-captain. I got I got to announce you perfectly. I'm sorry. Um what you can do, what you can continue to expect is the show to be the def- definitive place where you find the daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Ravens wide receiver Miles Boykin, CBS play-by-play legend Greg Gumbel, and former NFL quarterback Jaws Jaroski. Find those interviews and more today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Jaworski. 
Did I say it wrong? That's all right. You said Jaroski. My pronunciations of names are not always perfect. That was a that was a rough read for you. Well, it's the first time I've read it. That's why. Yeah. First, no, that, first time I've read this one. Be be a pro, man. Practice. practice I get a practice. I I, I I got. I, I think I, I think I got this. Practice. Like, I think I got this. Like, we talking about practice? Ni- I think I got this ninety seconds before the show started. So maybe maybe next week we'll have to practice. They, they were on the printer when you walked in today. Oh, I didn't look. I didn't yeah, look. Yeah, that's, mm. that's that's part of your I job. Think we, bro. we need Check some the new, printer. We need some new printer ink. Look at this. Look yeah, at this. Yeah, we, before we, before your big debut on Monday. Yeah, may, that'll probably be one of my jobs. Too. That's another reason I couldn't read it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm blaming sure. it on the printer. At one point you tried to. You had to say the word definitive. You Defin- said, I, well, you I thought said, it was going to be definite, yeah, and right. then it was definitive. But you, oh, whatever. Let, let, me, let me see what it is, because the way it sounded, it, you said, uh, what you can expect is the show to be the, and it sounded like you said the, the de- death. The death I thought you said. The, de- the, death, of, uh, the, the, the death of Baltimore sports. The death sports. of Baltimore sports. I was like, bro, what? But then you you cleared it up. Pulled anyway, it out. Pulled it out. Yeah, we got to get right. our final break. When we come back, we're going to do Take to Rake, and then we're going to close the show with a little bit of Ravens talk. We'll see you after this. Once again this season, PressBox's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune into Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined postgame by your favorite analysts like the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalis, and more. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com Radio. Pressbox's Project Game Day, every game day, presented by Glory Days Grill and Window Nation. As one of only seven equestrian events of its kind, the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill will give you unparalleled access to Olympic athletes in action. Come see the world's best horses and riders compete at the new Fair Hill Special Event Zone this October 14th through 17th in Elkton, Maryland. Don't miss the exhilarating cross-country competition, the elegance of dressage, and the precision of show jumping. There's something for the whole family, including great shopping, the fresh food fest, beer, wine, and spirit showcase and so much more come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the maryland five star at fair hill october 14th through 17th buy your tickets now at maryland five star.us with the number five Every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you change lanes and brake suddenly in front of my tractor trailer, I won't be able to stop. Our lives could change forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. The latest issue of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who may well be the Ravens' next true defensive superstar in the lineage of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and Terrell Suggs. Also inside, we introduce you to Maryland Navy, Towson, and Morgan State football players and everything you need to know for football betting as it launches in Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Taz Bowser show. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, October 19th at Twain's Tavern in Pasadena. It's brought to you by Pressbox. Great Eights memorabilia and true strong services. All right, welcome back to the bat around, and we're down to the last few days to get the current issue of Press Box on the cover. Bo Smoka profiles Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who may well be the Ravens' next true defensive superstar in the lineage of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and Terrell Suggs. Also inside, we'll introduce you to Maryland Navy, Towson, and Morgan State football players and everything you need to know for football betting as it launches in Maryland. Press Box, it's available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 rural farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. And make sure to make the most out of every day at a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. How many fantasy football leagues are you in? Um, I am in one. Just this one? If, with you, yes. That's the only one you're in? That's the only one I'm in. I asked you to be in another league, and you said that you had too many going on. Yeah, I, I, I quit the other ones because I signed my, my contract with uh, with NCAA that I'm not allowed to participate in paid leagues uh, uh, anymore. So, yeah, so I'm only, look, I'm, I'm only doing the free one that we're doing. Look at you. Look at you, man. What a perfect thing to do, right? What a, uh, what what a golden boy. What, wow. what a golden boy. So you're not really going to have an opportunity. Because I'm obviously playing D1 baseball for Alabama, yeah. and they, they're, not, yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah. not allowing yeah. me. Hey, hey, hey let's, not even, let's not even get into it. I don't want to ha- have this show be any kind of reason you get in, into any kind of trouble. So we're just going to. I'm, I'm, I'm in a free fantasy football league, which is completely allowed, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Now, if there's a lot of you who are either in free fantasy football leagues or – like me, I'm. Let's see, one and four in the press box league. I'm zero and five in my one I, my other league. I'm two and three in the league I'm commissioner of. But I'm four and one in the, in the league that I did not do well in last year, the Yahoo League. I, I'm running roughshod on that on that on that team, uh, on that league. Um, but that might be the only league where I can win money. If you're having as poor of a fantasy football season as I am, <laughs> uh, I, or you're in no, a no money league, look, I get it. There's no sports betting in place in Maryland to, uh, to yeah. start the football season. But if you want to win some money in football and you're not doing so well in fantasy football, you can do it legally. I saw you wave to someone earlier. Is Glenn in here right now? He left. Oh, he left. He, he oh, was well, here. He, it looks like he's going to broadcast something for Loyola. I've got Glenn uh, this week. I have a 25% chance to win. So, But I am. I am 4-1. and one. Just saying. Well... Well, be, be, now, now be, because Zach couldn't couldn't hold out <laughs> that little piece of information until after, I have to restart this live room. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> anyway, look, if you're not winning any money in your leagues or you're not in a league where you can win money, uh, but you do want to win some money on football, you can do it legally. And we're going to give you free money to play with thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app, deposit $10, and you d- use the code PRESSBOX, and we'll give $10 free to play with. Underdog not only has daily and season-long fantasy contests, but also prop bets and fun parlay games where you can win every week this season, and it's not just football, Zach. 
Oh. There are plenty of baseball contests at Underdog, too. So go to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy. Click on the Underdog logo, deposit your $10, and get your $10 free. Or use the code PressBox at UnderdogFantasy.com and have fun winning money with PressBox and Underdog. I haven't taken advantage of this yet, and I really need to because I don't think I'm winning much money, if any, uh, in my four fantasy football leagues mm-hmm. this year. So for sure, yeah, not a one. Uh, and I'm 0-5 and one that I talk a lot of trash in. I have a really good team that just keeps going up against the dudes that score 160 points. That sucks. Yeah, but I I did beat Ken Zalas last week. I beat the number three fantasy expert ranked in the world. So I I'm a little proud of that. Not I beat lie. Glenn last week. You beat Glenn. I I think Glenn's going to beat me this week. So I'm a little worried. But. I'm I'm projected to lose, but I had Tom Brady, Zach Ertz, and Antonio Brown in my lineup, and they all played really well. Zach Ertz just got dealt. So yeah. now you have to rethink about. I that. was like, he's no, their number one tight end now. Yeah, though. he doesn't get to play this Sunday though. Uh, Wouldn't that be cool though to play two games in the same week? That would be cool. That yeah, would... maybe not for his body, but let's. We got to move on to uh, take to rake and look. Take to rake sucked this week. There's no getting around it. You took Randy Rosarena and Trey Turner. Rosarena three for nine, a double, two RBIs, one walk, one stolen base, two Ks. Trey Turner three for eighteen, two doubles, Yikes. one RBI, no walks, three Ks. In total, your two guys went six for twenty-seven, three doubles, three RBIs. 5Ks, one walk, one stolen base. 222, 250, 333 slash line for a 583 OPS. I talk, I, I took Jordan Alvarez, and you want to talk about yikes, one for nine, yeah. one RBI, three walks, 7Ks uh, for the American League. In the National League, I took Corey Seager, a little bit better, four for 17, double, two RBIs, one walk, 3Ks. In total, my guys went five for 26, double, three RBIs, 10Ks, four walks, 192, 300, 269, slash line for 569 OPS. Nobody wins. Nobody wins. <laughs> Nobody wins. Nobody wins yeah, that was really I, bad. I'm, 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 I'm glad you're on the same page. Oh. I, I computed the numbers last night, and I was like, I can't. We can't pick a winner. Those were horrible numbers. The, the, like we picked yeah. like probably the the four guys who had the worst series. Yeah, basically. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Rosarena was fine, but he had nine at bats. Yeah. You know, he was he was fine, but you yeah. know, it, he was one out of four guys that was picked that was. You can just say he was fine. Yeah. Nobody hit a home run. That's crazy to me. Yeah, that is, uh, out, especially out, out, with the four out, guys we picked. Not one of them. No, that's, that's really weird. Nobody took Kike Hernandez. He would have won the whole thing he, if one of us took it. So who gets the first pick this week? Um, We're going to do again, I'm assuming, AL, NL, get a guy from each team. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or each league, I should say. Um, If it's all right with you, I'm just going to take the first pick because you picked first last week and the week before. Okay. So, or, no, no, that's not fair. Now you can do whatever you want. I, I, I know I can do whatever I want. It's perfectly but fine. If you're going to take Kike Hernandez, I just should start thinking about someone else immediately because I think we need to do rock paper scissors. Okay, okay. We let's did this it. last week. You won, so let's let's uh, let's try again. All right. Oh. All right. Paul I won. wins. I Paul picked wins. first. So my thought process there last week, you beat me um, scissors over paper, mm-hmm. and so this week I was like. He knows that, so he's gonna uh, he's gonna choose rock. The intuition right there, yeah. I I I didn't, uh, not, I didn't uh, think not about rock. It. He's gonna he's gonna choose paper because he thinks I'm gonna choose rock and he's gonna use paper to cover my scissors to cover my rock. So I'm like, I'm gonna take scissors <laughs> to cut his paper. Such a weird that, conversation right that now. Was, that, dude, the whole yeah. show's been weird, man. We, you know, we had technical we had technical difficulties with all three of our. guests. I called the wrong guy apparently. <laughs> yeah, the, the first guest Stan was on. The, he was on his Bluetooth in the car. We had um, his. Um, why can't I think of the word? I don't well, know. His GPS. 
We heard his GPS talking oh, yeah, in the background, yeah. and then he we just lost him. Uh, it went straight to voicemail when we the first time we called Leo Mazzoni, and then Zach called the complete wrong number. Uh, he, he just he hit a wrong. He, I know he hit a wrong digit. That's, that's had to be what it was. Make, make it. That's that's exactly what it was. Hit a wrong digit calling Sean McAdams. We had to call him twice, and then. I wasn't prepared for that, so I felt like I just babbled on about nothingness uh, in between those. It's been a goofy show. It's been a good show. The interviews were all fantastic yes, today, yes. but the in-between has been really goofy. Oh, really. I, th- I think it was all right. We'll, we'll be all right. We'll yeah, be all right. No, we'll no, come we're, back, we're fine. Come back stronger next week. Come, ba- and, come back uh, stronger. No, 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 it's been a great show. Attempt not to call the wrong it's, numbers. It's been a great show. Just a little bit of goofiness sprinkled in, which is, there's nothing wrong with goofiness. All right, so what, what teams do we have left? You have the Astros, the Red Sox, the Braves, and the Dodgers. I would recommend pulling up the roster. I, I was just pulling up the rosters just to make sure nobody got left off that you thought might have been there's on. No, there's nobody that I'm going to take that would have been okay. left off. Fair enough. So my AL guy is going to be... J.D. Martinez. You've got to be kidding me. I was, I was literally the guy I was about to pick. What? All right, I, I guess i got to go Kike then, right? I, yeah. I mean, I, gotta I, mean, go, I, gotta I, go I gave Kike. you... The guy who's the hottest postseason player this side of Randy Rosarena. I was going to go JD though. That uh, I love JD Martinez. I love the, the dude, JD Martinez. His first game back from an injured ankle, he went four for five. Yeah, he's he's so good. Um, in the National League, I got to do it. No, don't do it. Don't do it. I, I got to do it. I know who you're about I'm to take. I'm taking Freddie Freeman. You got to be. That was my two picks: JD Martinez, Freddie Freeman. So let me rethink this now because, uh, maybe. Uh, Austin Riley, possibly. Um, you can, you have you can't take Trey Turner, right? Right, but I mean, but you have Mookie you have Betts Mookie is an Betts. option. Yeah, I I don't want to I don't want to pick Corey Seager. I'm gonna go Mookie Betts. I'll go Mookie Betts. Okay, okay. So young Zach Man over here takes. Uh, well, we'll do mine first. Paul, J D. J D. and Freddie Freeman. Yeah, J.D. Martinez. I mean, again, if you if you haven't heard the story of J.D. Martinez, I know you have, but a lot of people listening may have not. Um, the way he reinvented his swing, the way he became one of the best players in baseball, I just find it really interesting, and I have a lot of respect for J.D. Martinez. He really is. He's a incredibly hard worker, Great and incredibly good, uh, good player. Yeah, yeah, he kind of came out of nowhere. He, he, he did. He started yeah. to make, he started to make a name for himself because he was with Houston, mm-hmm. and he wasn't good. Right, right, and they, he had a, he was a top prospect at one point. They they, they let him go because right. they, they, they traded him. Right, they traded him to, so, to Detroit. Yes, no, no. He 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 was released by the Astros, right, picked right, up right. by Detroit, picked yeah. up by Detroit, and then you saw glimpses of it in 2014. Yeah, uh, he hit that home run uh, against Wei and Chen mm-hmm. in in game two, the double double game. He had a home mm-hmm. run against Wei and Chen, and you kind of like this is, a, this is a player. He had a great series, right. and then he just goes off. So, the dude's yeah. a hitter. He's just a hitter. I'll paraphrase the story real quick. Um, there was essentially an Astros coach who came up to him and said, hey, uh, you, you know, you're going to be a bench player. You're going to be a guy who doesn't really do a whole lot if you don't start making your swing a lot smoother and making it look like the rest of the guys on this team. And J.D. said he went out to batting practice the next day and was watching all the different players on the Astros hit, and he's going, wow, the guy's right. My swing doesn't look like any of these guys. Um, So he went to a hitting coach and essentially turned it all around and and figured out how to become a a much better and smoother hitter the astro he he came back to spring training with the astros the next year they said yeah but we you know we we still haven't seen enough to keep you on the team and and they released him in spring training he goes in signs with the the detroit tigers hits like three home runs against the astros in spring training the next day rest is history become a great player after that i don't know how he did it but he's amazing i love Uh, jd martinez 
That's awesome. It is. It, it he, is. He hit three homers. It, it was. A, it was something like that. He, he had, had a game against the Astros. Yeah, he had like training. he had like four hits the next day after. And the Astros were sitting. Apparently, the Astros executives were sitting in the stands watching him and going, "Oh no, we just made a huge mistake." Yeah, because they released him like two days earlier. <laughs> yeah, they, so, they, they absolutely. Yeah, they yeah. absolutely made a huge yeah. mistake. He's one of the best hitters in the game. Yep. Uh, I, I watched it, and the crazy thing is, he's a right-hand hitter. Mm-hmm. The majority of his home runs go to right field. Yeah, he's dead, and that's that's the sign of a great hitter. Yeah, uh, the majority of his home runs go to right field. It's, yeah. it's impressive, and it's so funny, man. We had Sean McAdam on just a minute ago, and he said, you know, they didn't hit a ton of home runs. You could have fooled me. I watched a game where the Red Sox hit yeah. six <laughs> home runs against the yeah. Orioles. The Orioles scored eight runs, you know, eight runs in that game, and they lost fourteen that's, to eight. That was pretty common this year. Fourteen to eight. Because J.D. Martinez hit three home runs and Rafael Devers hit two. And I think Kike hit the other one. That, yeah, Kike somehow hit so many home runs this year that I just don't I, I don't understand how Kike became the player he's become. But it's amazing, and I'm happy for him. He's, yeah, he's, and look, when I, when I called Kike a mediocre player earlier, this, earlier in the program... I got what you mean. You mean he's not a superstar. When you think of the great players in the game, Kike Hernandez no. isn't that guy. He's not. Nobody says <coughs> Kike Hernandez <coughs> and Mike Trout in the same sentence, right? I think of Kike Hernandez the way I think of Willie Adamas. Good I, players. I think, I think Adamas is better. Good be players. They don't hurt you, but they shouldn't be the difference maker on a team. Like, And, and that's that was really, in my opinion, the downfall of the Brewers. They just didn't have enough... All, when... When your difference maker is Willie Adamas, good mm-hmm. player, good player, man. I'm yeah. not taking it. He's not Trey Turner. He's not no. that guy that when you trade for him, he's not J.D. Martinez. When you trade for him, he's the guy who gets you over the hump like he did when Detroit traded him to Arizona right. a few years back. Like He's not that guy. Right. He was for the Brewers, but you can only ride that for so long. Agreed. You I know? agree. You know. All right, so... Ravens. I was at that game. Me too. On Monday night, we were there. Yeah, we. Oh yeah, I bought. I, I, <laughs> I, I bought. I bought your dad a beer. You did. Yes. You I did. bought your dad you a beer, even though he didn't come down from the stands to yeah, meet me. Yeah, he I was. He I was, was offended. He was waiting for the introduction. You were offended. I, I was. I was I'll deeply. I was deeply offended. He's probably, I hope he's listening right now, Mr. Goodman. I was offended. <laughs> you couldn't come down to meet me. I. I don't. And so I bought you a beer for spite. Wow. I'm just kidding. Wow. That's, wow. I, Paul's I, offended. Next time we're at the same stadium together, he'll make sure to say hi. I wasn't offended. I wasn't offended at all. Um, no, nah, I, I mean he's your dad. Uh, he the the legend himself. Pictures up on Twitter. Yeah, from the Paul and I meetup. Yeah, well, we were on there. The Bat Around Crew. Glenn Clark retweeted yes. it. Uh, the yes. Bat Around Crew at the at the stadium. You love to see it, dude. There was a point where I'm watching that game, and I turned to my buddy. And I, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have said this to him because he's the one who gave me the ticket. He gave it to me for free. And I said, this is the worst game I've ever been to. <laughs> I, I was like, the only one I can think of that was worse than this was the game that the Ravens lost to the Browns, where the Browns, they, the Ravens thought they won. The Browns mm. kicked a field goal that went off the upright. Yeah, Both teams were in the locker room when they reviewed this kick, and it, they determined that it didn't go off the crossbar. Mm. It went off the bar that the crossbar sits on, which mm-hmm. means it was good. It went through the uprights. 15 minutes later, both teams come back on the field, and they go to overtime, and the Ravens lose. Yeah. That's the worst game I've ever been to. This one was close until it wasn't. For me, it was 2018 versus the Chargers in the playoffs. That was. I was the, at that game. I was. Oh my god, Laura and bad. I. Laura, I guess because of the fight that Laura and I got into, and we both drank way too much. I, I remember very not because I remember being at the game, but I did. I remember not paying much attention mm-hmm. to the game. I, I saw the missed Justin Tucker kick, but then I spent a good bit of the rest of the game down in the concourse 
trying to find Laura because she went to go sit with her brother and didn't tell me. Ah, uh, got it. Yeah, and that's so that, that started this huge fight. Um that we don't need to get into. She's probably. Oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna hear it from her. Uh, <laughs> she's at work right now, so I hope, she, I hope she's not listening. I probably shouldn't have aired our our, our issue. This was two years ago, and three th- now really. You know, this is before we ever got engaged. We've been dating mm. for I think four or five months got when it. when we went when we went, went to see this game, and I, I'm only comfortable talking about it because I'm not giving you all the gritty details about it. It's just she got upset. She was going to the bathroom and never came back. Game sucked too. It, game and, sucked. Yeah. Lamar fumbled like four times. Kenneth Dixon couldn't hold on to the football. Every receiver. Kenneth Dixon. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, guy. he was not good. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, in that game, he throws two touch pa- touchdown passes late at, to Michael Crabtree. At the end, yeah. And they have the ball back yeah. with 60 seconds to go mm-hmm. and a timeout with a chance to go win the game. <laughs> and he fumbled again. And he fumbled again. Yeah. And he yeah. fumbled again. I, I was already on the light rail. At that point, I was already outside of the stadium when Michael Crabtree caught a second touchdown. I was also on the light rail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was completely gone from that stadium because See, that was depressing. But it's because of that game and the fact that even though they were so bad and they were getting their butts handed to them, mm-hmm. they had the ball at the end of the game with a chance to tie the game. Yeah. It, it didn't happen, but it's why. The Lamar Jackson experience. I didn't leave the game on Monday. Yeah. 22-3. to three. At the end of the third quarter, it was like twenty five yeah. at one point. It, it, it was twenty two to three, with three minutes to go. Mm-hmm. The Ravens score a touchdown. Yep. Then there's a field goal. It's twenty five to nine. Yeah. Twenty five to nine with nine minutes left. Yep. And they score two 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 touchdowns, two two point conversions. I sat there and I'm watching that game and I'm like, they're down by they're down twenty five seventeen at this point. And Calais blocks a field goal. Oh my! I and lost I just it. sat there, and I and I laughed. I just laughed, and I turned to my buddy, and I go, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna censor myself. Are you effing kidding me?" Yeah. And I go, "They're gonna win this game. They have no business winning this game, and they're gonna win this game. They have a horseshoe firmly stuck up their butts. Yeah. Had no business beating the uh, beating the Lions. No. Right. They should have blown them out. But yeah. But the drops happened, and they needed a 4th and 19 conversion and a 66-yard yes. field goal. Shouldn't have beaten the Lions. The game against the Chiefs, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire doesn't fumble, they don't win that game. Yeah. Oh, but the way I look at that one more than... It's a little bit different that I look at that one than the Lions game because fumbling's part of the game. It happens. Um, you know, a... Having a guy miss a field goal from from uh, you know uh, 40, uh, 48 yards, I believe it was, in the Colts game, and then a block field goal as well, that's more of a miracle to me than it is the fumble because fumbles happen. Like That's part of the game, yeah. and Adafi Away is a really special player that made that happen. I don't know how many more wins the Ravens can get away with than are miracles like this, though. Yeah, I no, just don't no, know. No, it's, it's, you can't build a whole season off it. What you can right. do is think... Man, we are a championship caliber team, right? And build off this, and then go start winning games, like they did against the, against Denver. There are so many problems with the defense, though. There are so many problems. They the Colts did anything they wanted through the first three quarters. They yeah. did anything they wanted. But it's about making adjustments and adding players. I think right. they've got to add players. It's and a, the trade deadline's coming up at about November second. Yeah, so not that far away at all. Yeah. About, about you know two and a half weeks. I was surprised they didn't, they didn't take a stab at Richard Sherman. Yeah, I, I well, uh, the domestic stuff. He had right. I was gonna say he had the domestic violence, but um, other than that, Richard Sherman, he's now injured, but yeah. um, he's a really, really good player, and he could help them for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I, he they're, might. They're, they're gonna have. They're gonna find a way. 
They're going to find a way yeah. to play better defense. Look, nobody plays good defense against the Chargers. The Browns have a really good defense, and the Chargers scored 47 points against them. I'm fully expecting the Chargers to drop at least 40 on the Ravens. Yeah. Fully expecting. But and the Ravens are going to need to score about four. The Ravens are probably going to need to score in the 40s to win this game. I agree. Right? And then of course, we say that, and it'll be like 31-27. All right, let's make our it's prediction time. Let's make our predictions. What are you thinking? I picked, I, I picked first last week, didn't I? Sure. I, yeah, you did. You did. So go ahead. Um, 42-34 Chargers. I just don't think the Ravens can get it done. The Chargers' defense isn't very good. They no. They have a, they, they a can't lot of rushing yards. Yeah. Um, Justin Herbert is not good against cover zero and cover one. Uh, and what? That's all the Ravens run. Oh, yeah. And what, <laughs> what, what yeah. Wink likes to do is blitz his corners. Yep. Cover zero. Yeah. Um, with knowing that, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a close. It's, it's going to be a show. Right, it's gonna be a shootout. I agree, it's and gonna, even even forty two thirty four. That's a good. That's a good game. It's yeah. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a shootout. They're playing at home. They're feeling the 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 momentum after that win, that improbable win. The run game will get going again, even if it's just Lamar going for a hundred himself. He might. Uh Ravens thirty seven. Chargers thirty two. Okay. Bold. That that's a really that, that would be a big 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 win for the Ravens defense if they can hold I, the Chargers to thirty two. I am, I'm watching uh, all week. I'm thinking Chargers, Chargers, Me Chargers. Too. And then the more I thought about, it, the more I, I I saw that the Chargers' weaknesses kind of play right into the Ravens. They do. The Ravens do, they do. And the Ravens' strengths. I really believe that the Ravens are going to find a way to pull this one out. I mean, they've done it so many times, so I can't I can't say you're you're off base with that because they've done it so many times already this year. So they, I, I hope you're right. Uh, your concerns with the defense are my concerns with the running game. They gotta find a guy. They they, they, they gotta find a guy. And, and, and somebody said this, and I don't disagree. Tyson Williams is a really fast, shifty runner mm-hmm. until he got hit. Yeah, he he did not look good last week. I'll he, be honest, he, he, he did not look good ever since he got hit. Like, yeah, he doesn't look like the same guy. I agree. And one other thing, um, I don't like to be this guy who says this, but the middle linebackers that the Ravens have, they're really bad. They're really bad. They're really bad. Malik Harrison has not lived up to expectations, and somehow he's been better than Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen has been, and he's, I know he's. some people will go, oh, he's a Ravens tackle leader. I'm going, yeah, because he probably, he's in on like every play because all you have to do is just to, you know, get a half a tackle to be counted and as many, a tackle leader. How many leader. of those tackles are made six yards beyond the line, beyond right. the line of scrimmage? And so many of them are combined, not solo. And I'm, I'm watching him, and I was shouting it for anybody to listen to my section on Monday night how bad he was. I said, I, I tweeted I, he's the worst player on the field. I, I tweeted, I said, it's a real problem when your first round linebacker is the worst player on your defense. Yes, yeah, so we basically said the same thing. Yeah. He was the worst player on the field in that Colts Ravens game. Not named Anthony Averett. Yeah, but I, Anthony Averett I give a pass to because he's played really well every other week. He he stepped in for Marcus Peters and played really well. I, I you know you know this, but I, I love Anthony Averett. He's like yeah. one of my favorite. Ravens. I think he's gonna have a bounce back. I, think I, I agree. I agree. It's gonna be really tough against Keenan Allen and Mike yeah. Williams, and I think that maybe they use Jimmy Smith more uh, because sure, yeah. it, you also need man coverage against uh, the 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 Chargers are worse against man coverage than zone coverage. And I yeah. think that Jimmy Smith right now. Um, can probably cover Mike Williams a little bit better. Although, than Anthony although could. Jimmy Jimmy played mostly safety on the, yeah. in that Colts game. He, yeah, him but, and Brandon yeah. Stevens switched pretty but, early but on. But you're, 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 that's because Deshaun Elliott was out, right? And Elliott should be back this week. Yeah, I think he's been back practicing yeah. this week. So, um, 
Yeah, Patrick Queen has got to get better. There's no uh, question. He's, he's got to get, get better. better. Uh, th- his problem is he's so fast mm-hmm. that that's all he does. Yeah, it is. And, and he doesn't know how to break down. He, no. he just runs to where he thinks the ball is going to be, and if it's not there, the guy's by him. Right? And he can't tackle. He doesn't break. Ever. Because he doesn't break down. <laughs> if he yeah. can break down, yeah. he can tackle. He doesn't do it. Right. I wish it was. My, I was talking my, to my brother-in-law about this. They're going to just pay Ray Lewis a million dollars a year and just have him <laughs> come in there coach, yeah. and, and, and take Patrick Queen, sit him on a couch, and mm-hmm. watch all the film in the world mm-hmm. and teach him how to break down and hit. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's what they need to do. I watched him. I made a point after seeing how bad he was on that first on those first couple drives. I made a point to watch him all game. I did too. He got pushed off the ball so, many so much. Yeah. He's so undersized. You can be as right. fast as you want. He's basically a safety playing linebacker. Right. He got pushed off the ball. Maybe they should try him at so safety. Much. We have an opening right now with, with Deshaun Elliott not playing. Right. Until he comes it's, back. Uh, he's got to get better. And everybody was so high on Patrick Queen. I'm like, he had, he played linebacker for one year. Yeah, and, and, and really wasn't very good last year um, in his rookie year either. And I think it kind of got glossed over because he was a rookie and you give a lot of passes to rookies. And, and they didn't have... A, a, a true training camp, no preseason right. games, no right. mini camps, no OTAs. And, right? and, and to be fair, that's fine. Like that, you can give a pass to him. But now it's it's time to show that you're not a bust. And right now he's a bust. Well, I hate I, to say I, it. I think that I love Patrick Queen. I really Wink, do. Wink also has schemes to make his linebackers better. He and does. They, they alluded to that in yeah. an article this week that he has some schemes set up to make the linebackers better. So we'll see. We'll see. Zach has the. Uh, the Chargers beating the Ravens 42-34. I the yeah. Ravens squeaking out a victory 37-32. We will sure see by this time, right around this time tomorrow. Yeah. Until then, until next week on the Bat Around, see ya!